Hey everybody, this is Mike Marback and you're listening to... What are you listening to? What the fuck am I going to call this thing? Oh my god. Is it getting close? Is it Mike Check? Uh, what is it going to be? You know what? I need... Uh, uh, this is the worst. I shouldn't even be recording this right now. If you guys could see me right now, I'm actually like stressing over this. I've got my, I got a handful of hair. Luckily, that's still attached to my head. Uh, oh, jeez. Is it Mike Check? Mike Check sounds awesome, doesn't it? And it's punny. But getting close kind of says what the podcast does. I get close. And it's a little, little punny. Little innuendo-y. innuendo I don't know. I don't know what the fuck it's going to be called. I'm keeping getting close right now, but that may change. For real. Ugh. Anyway, uh, lots of good feedback on the first one, on the first Getting Close uh, with Kristen. That was a real good time. Uh, thanks for all, all the good comments. Of course, I expected the comments about it being uh, too long. Um, yeah, that was, that was not a surprise. Uh, although, that is the first time I've gotten that complaint. Ow! I apologize for that. That is below the caliber of discussion that I aim to set on the table here. I also apologize for that phrasing uh, setting on the table. That made absolutely no sense whatsoever. Um, Some people asked why I am not on Kristen and Amy. Because if you remember in the last podcast, those of you who listened... Uh, I had said that I was an original member of the Amy and Kristen show. Even though it was the Amy and Kristen show, it was actually the Amy, Kristen, and Mike show. Or the Mike, Kristen, and Amy show, or any other variation. I don't know what they would all be. I don't have time for that. Uh, You can figure that out. Maybe you're good with math. Uh, I don't know. I don't know know your life, what you're good at. Um, But maybe you can figure out how many variations of three there can be. Um... Would it be nine? I don't know. I'm not a math person, people. Anyway, why am I not a member of the Amy and Kristen show? Uh, I would say, even though we've never actually talked about it, I would say it's because I lived far away. Uh, it was, it was, I lived in far northeast Philly. I don't drive. I don't have a car. I don't even have a license. Can you believe that? As old as I am, it's the worst. I'm an idiot. Anyway, uh... I lived in far northeast Philly at the time. It was an hour and a half to two hours to get into the city and out of the city. So I'm looking at three hours or so, sometimes four, depending on the time of day that they wanted to practice. And I didn't want to do it. <laughs> it's pretty simple, really. I, I, it took a lot to get me out of that. You should, you should have heard them on the phone. Come on, you can do it. Like, like trying to get me to take my first steps after a horrific car accident or something. Um, but I, it, it was tough. So they probably tired of trying to get me down there. Uh, and quite frankly, they're better off. They're fucking awesome. Um, although I did really enjoy the practices and the, uh, the show that we had. Um, and we keep talking about doing another one with, with me in there. Uh, and then that will probably highlight why it is not the Amy, Kristen, and Mike show, Um, but it would probably be fun for me. Uh, Anyway, 
the podcast this time around features a comedian uh, in the scene, in the community, uh, by the name of Brendan Kennedy. Uh, Brendan has uh, been doing comedy in Philly for a few years now, and he also does sketch with Camp Woods and improv with Hate Speech Committee. Uh, I didn't really know Brendan too well. I just know him in passing and uh, chit-chats here and there and uh, had, him, had him do a sideshow. Um, I've seen him do stand-up uh, a few times. Um, so all I really know is that he's a really funny guy. Uh, and that, that, held, that holds up throughout the interview, uh, throughout the conversation. But he's also really smart. Such a smart guy. Um, I wasn't really surprised by that, but he is. He's, such a, he's, he's a really smart person. He's quoting a lot of shit that uh, I just kind of nodded and said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. And I, did, I didn't know what he's talking about. I had to look it up afterwards. Uh, we talked about his upbringing, of course. I'd like to get into that. Uh, we talked about how he got into comedy, how he got into improv, and the different art forms that he is involved in, what he wants to do, where he wants to go. Uh, yeah talked about a lot of stuff such a such a real good conversation you know what we didn't even get to finish we talked for about two hours and we only stopped because we both had to go so we're gonna have to have him back on the podcast uh at some point uh to finish up some of the questions i still had to ask yeah uh so without further ado uh please I was going to say, please give it up, as if there's a live studio audience here. Oh, my God. This is the worst. Why do I record these? Anyway, here's Brendan. Uh, yeah, let's talk about Brendan. Uh, you're, I, just, I always like to talk about the, the backgrounds of people. And by always, I mean for the second time. <laughs> and you mentioned the, the WTF, What the Fuck podcast. Uh, and he really gets, gets deep into people, their backgrounds, that is. So I wanted to talk about that first. Um, sure. What was what was it like? What kind of life did you have growing up? Um, Are you from Philly? I'm from the suburbs of Philly. Okay, which... so pretty easy one, Upper Dublin. Okay, uh, it's like Fort Washington, same area. Uh, my pa- my dad's a lawyer, and my mom uh, she just retired, but she was a special education teacher in Philadelphia for thirty some years. Okay, and I'm what the oldest of uh, three siblings. Uh, what kind of lawyer was your dad? Uh, he's well. He's still a lawyer, but he doesn't do trials anymore. He's a it was insurance law, okay. like civil. Now he's a managing attorney for um, staff legal at Zurich, so he's doing pretty well. Okay, yeah, <laughs> things going like well for him. Yeah. Uh, and you're the oldest of three. Yeah, yeah. I have two younger brothers. Uh, one is just graduated college, Brian, but he's going back. Get a physical therapy degree because he was industrial design. He decided he wanted to help people. And then my younger brother Steven's a senior in high school, and he's uh, deciding where to go to college. Okay. And how old are you? I am twenty-seven. So, so the brothers are how old? Uh, now? Brian is twenty-three, and Steven's eighteen. Okay, that's good pacing. Yeah. Uh, between brothers, I think. Yeah, there was never much fighting. Yeah. When we were little, there would be wrestling occasionally, but like. There's always enough age gap that like you don't have to fight. The younger brother, you can just trick him. Yeah, because you're that you're that much older. Yeah. Okay. Uh, are they also into any sort of comedy at all? Uh, not performing or anything. My brother uh, Brian likes comedy. They both like comedy a lot. Right. That they watch a lot. I think we have very different tastes. <laughs> definitely, definitely like, yeah, it's like, like uh, comedy. Oh, comedy yeah. schmomedy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but <laughs> like my brother Brian has helped out like run tech a few times and stuff like that because he okay. used to. 
run tech in high school and college to play for plays. So occasionally I would need someone to help me at the shooting, and he would yeah. come and do it. But like he doesn't really have time. And my parents have said to me like, try not to make him take time away from schoolwork <laughs> <laughs> to help your thing. That you know should be your thing, which is not paying anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Don't take him away from his education yeah. to do something that we could have probably all used more of. <laughs> uh, okay, well that's uh, that's something. Uh, are they funny people? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, are you the funniest? Am I on record? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think I can be as funny as I, I think I can be as funny or funnier than anybody in my family around me. But like, uh, I know growing up, like I got my sense of humor from my dad, and my uncle, because they always uh, we were going down to the shore every year for vacation. Which shore? Uh, Ocean which, City, which New Jersey. Jersey. Yeah. And uh, so we go. We get to go for two weeks instead of just one because uh, we split it with my cousins. So my aunt and uncle will pay for one week, and we pay for one week. But everybody stays for two. Yeah. And uh, I remember there was even a thing where they had to switch who got the bigger bedroom, because like the first week one the one group with the one two the one parents got, then the second week they switched it oh, just to make it fair or something. I don't know. <laughs> okay. But uh, their sense of humor was always like Monty Python. Yeah. And uh, I, I always remember my dad quoting that we we don't need no stinking badges from uh, what was that the th- the Three Amigos or I, for, I don't forget. Yeah. Where that's from. Well, I think that I forget where it's from only because it's been parodied. So there's been so many levels of that, yeah. that line that I don't remember where the hell it is. Because it's, it's funny, I guess, no matter how it comes out or something, because it's always ridiculous. Yeah. Like, we don't need no badges. I th- I'm pretty sure it's, I mean, Three Amigos, I'm, I'm sure they say it in there, but I don't know if that's them quoting that line from something else. Yeah, I, I, I think they say it to the singing bush. We don't need no stinking badges. Because yeah. they something about badges. And, and, but they say it in a funny voice, like they're quoting somebody, so I'm assuming it's from something before that. Yeah, because I also rem- remember a version of the line. In the uh, the Shelley Long vehicle, Troop Beverly Hills. <laughs> <laughs> Troop Beverly Hills and Shelley. Yeah, uh, because the one of the Den mothers, uh, I don't know if that's what they're called in the movie, um, says we don't need no stinking patches. <laughs> they're Girl Scouts. I wonder where it's really from. We can find out. We have the we do have the internet. Yeah, we could. We yeah. Could. Uh, oh, we do. Okay, we can do research. Yeah. Nice. yeah, on the fly. Nice. And the funny thing is that because this microphone picks up everything, uh, everybody will know when we find out. Uh, so Google, and I'll probably cut this out anyway. Yeah. We don't need no stinking badges. But I, I'd be interested to know. Mm. Oh, okay. Looks like Treasure of the Sierra Madre. The original version of the line appeared in B. Traverne's 1927 no- novel, We Don't Need No Stink- uh, Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Yeah, badges. We ain't got no badges. I would like to point out to anybody that is not looking this up themselves right now that the title of the Wikipedia page is Stinking Badges. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a... I guess Spelled that, out with a G. Yeah. It's got the full thing on there. I guess people have... Uh, other Plenty of people have wanted to know the origin of that phrase. Anything you want to find out... Like, it used to be the, the internet was... A, you had to do a little bit of work. It yeah. made everything easier, but you had to at least know... There were, there were jobs for people that... Look things up. Yeah. And now everything just auto-completes. Yeah. When I was in high school, that was uh, they were trying to teach us that, like how to use Google and search engines yeah. effectively. Mm-hmm. And uh, now you don't, the, all, in order to use it effectively, you just type in what you want to find then type wiki after. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Sometimes you don't even need to because it'll, it'll just pop right up that first result anyway. Yeah. Tops everything. Uh, so you're, uh, we got a little off track. Uh, your dad would quote 
Yeah, he would always say, we don't need those stinking badges. One succession badges. of those yeah. many variations of we don't need those stinking badges. Yeah. Uh, okay. And my uncle would always be quoting stuff from Monty Python. Mostly, uh, like, uh, the Graham Chapman stuff, just because of the, the voice he would do to imitate people that he thought were stupid. Like the, oh, like the, <laughs> <laughs> like the Twitter of the Year voices and stuff yeah. like that. But, uh, so they'd always show me that. Like, I would always watch that on VHS when I was little, like, Monty Python. And Droopy Dog, for some reason. They'd always show me uh, Droopy Dog. It was just on the same VHSs. And I was Droopy was Dog the, 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 one, the one who talks like this? Yeah, yeah. And he won't do anything unless you give him that treat. And then he, can, then he magically is able to float up in the air and go back down to the ground like a carpet. Yeah, that, that is, that's the one, right? <laughs> yeah, just yeah. talks like that. Yeah. And Roger Rabbit, he operates the elevator. Okay, going up here. Yeah. <laughs> going down, sir. Watch your step. <laughs> uh, so you're... Dad and your uncle were, were funny people. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I would say, like any time we get together, like Thanksgiving or Christmas or anything like that, there's always everybody's just laughing and having a good time. Okay. Like I always hear stories about people's like uh, Christmases or they're like, oh, I hate the holidays because then this person starts saying this and nobody wants to hear this. Like there's never a thing for us. Like there, are, there. Are, I'd say there's family members we have that like get crazy, but everybody just kind of like verbally berates them real quick and then like ignores <laughs> them because <laughs> it's like stop it. There's no reason to behave that yeah. way. What are you doing? I got, I got yelled at one time by, I have a second cousin who I think is some type of insane, and uh, I was 12, and she was saying something about, and she, the person married a bunch of times, and uh, she was dating like a motorcycle guy at, the, at this point, and he, he didn't show up because he was like a motorcycle guy. Yeah, it was like her, I don't know, third marriage or something, <laughs> and like, so she was talking about motorcycle helmets. And I was 12, and I remember starting to like try to make fun of how when the motorcycle helmet guys wear those like the, the little helmets that don't <laughs> even cover their head all the way, and how I thought that was stupid because you just fall off the bike and you're dead. So it's just like you're just wearing this thing that makes you look stupid and you're dead, so it's just you die looking like an idiot. And she got real emotional, was like, you don't ever talk about them. You've oh, never geez. sat in an ER room next to a guy that's falling off a motorcycle. And I remember sitting there, and like... Someone told her, like, shut up. They're like, shut up. And then, like, I remember the thought in my head was, like, even though I was 12, I wanted to be like, I'm 12. Why are you yelling at me? <laughs> How do you not possess the reason to understand I'm a little kid who thinks something silly? Yeah. But, yeah, so, like, then that's a person who we don't see a lot. Because everyone's like, no, we don't want our Christmas to be horrible. So we're not going to spend <laughs> it with you. <laughs> Imitation got lost. Yeah. Uh, well, when did you start thinking that you were funny? Or did, when you, were you going through like grade school, or did you have like one moment? Was there one defining moment that you're like? I think I think there was like a, there was like a few, like uh, there was like when I was a little kid. I remember the first time I ever made my parents laugh, yeah. and it was I said no way Jose because someone had seen it said it on TV, <laughs> and then I said it in a conversation. I was like no way Jose. Uh, and <laughs> I like, think you need to do more of that. Yeah, no, <laughs> now, now. <laughs> more of quoting like no way Jose, yeah, things like that. And then I remember maybe a sorry Charlie here and there too. <laughs> <laughs> sorry Charlie. I, I just remember, like, the feeling of knowing, like, oh, I'm able to make someone laugh. I'm able to create that feeling in them. Yeah. And then, and then it kind of just fell by the wayside, being a little kid. And I remember, uh, I was, I still remember, it's a weird memory, but I was in, I was in, like, eighth or seventh grade, and I was standing in the bus line, and my friend, uh, standing there with me, and he had an older brother who had disabilities, and someone was picking on him, like, they were saying mean things about his brother. And I remember for whatever reason, I just was like, I just started yelling at the kid. I was like, you pussy, fuck you. And started like, making fun of him. The kid cried, and he ran up to the front of the bus line. And I remember standing there, like, all, like, emotional, like, hyped up. And one, some other kid was like, dude, that was awesome. And I was like, what? And they're like, you made fun of him so much that he ran away. And I, was, I was like, oh. And, like, so I guess I was bullying. 
But uh, I was bullying because he was being a dick. On behalf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember being like, oh, you can use it for that? Yeah. You can use comedy to make someone realize they're being stupid and bad. Yeah. It's a and superpower. Then, yeah, yeah. He used it for good. It's like a, holding a mirror to Medusa. Like if, you can, <laughs> like if someone's doing something shady to people, you can put it on them and they have to feel the thing they're making other people feel. <laughs> I remember that. And then like, but then I was always shy. And then the first time I started trying to like really be publicly funny was uh, I had pneumonia when I was a junior in high school. And uh, walking pneumonia. And I was working, I was doing, I always did tech stuff for plays. And we were, I was hanging out backstage, and I, was, I wasn't making fun of anybody, I was just like being like goofy and funny or whatever, and, but it was only because like my inhibitions were gone because I was so sick that I didn't care. Like, I had a horrible fever that would randomly break, and they would like build back up and break again, so I was either cold and sweaty or really uh, hot, and so I just didn't care. I stopped being funny. I remember my friend was like, oh, when did you get funny? And I was like, and then I was like, oh, I guess I can know how to be funny. And then and it was something I, I always liked comedy, and then so I tried to write it more, went to film school would write comedy stuff would kind of get yelled at for it like because they would try to pretend that it, like because the film school was a lot of people who like aren't getting the awards or recognition they want and said yeah. so they have to go and teach it yeah and so they're very annoyed with anyone that doesn't take it super seriously and I wasn't not taking it seriously like, I was trying hard I was working hard I just made it comedy it wasn't dramas and so I would always be told that like uh, I wasn't doing a good job but like they'd be like it's a good film it's just not comedies are never going to be the best films and I was like, well, that's a, that's you needing to We've be... We've already brought up Troop Beverly Hills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and it's funny, because like, I remember that... Oh, and then eventually I just did stand-up, because like, that was like the thing I always liked the most, but it was just something I held off on, because it, like, it, was, it was terrifying in a way, because mm -hmm. the things that are good about it make it scary at first. Yeah. Like the immediate... It's immediate test results. Like you go, you go, hey, does this work? And the crowd goes either laughs and it's yes or yeah. no, and then you go on. But like, and also it's like testing yourself, see if you can go up there and handle that or whatever. And mm -hmm. it's a cool feeling. And uh, but that made it scary. So eventually, I was just like, yeah, let's do it. And uh, actually, the first day I was gonna go do stand up, uh, I got in a car accident on the turnpike. A truck tire hit my car. <laughs> and uh, just the tire? Yeah, the tire uh, just came off. I was driving to work and uh, on the turnpike, and a tire came off of one of those eighteen wheelers. So like, they don't even notice when that happens. Yeah. And it bounced across the road, and I swerved. And it hit the side of my car, and then like, like so, like, like flattened the front left tire almost immediately, oh, and like so, then I like smashed in the wall and stuff. I was okay, like the whole, I had like a little bit of blood on my ear, but that was it. But it was like what the f and like so, like my car was all messed up, and so I had to get a rental car, and it was a red Matrix, a Toyota red Matrix. <laughs> it was like this, like ridiculous looking car, yeah. and like I hated it. But so like uh, I went home, and I knew I was going to try stand up because I went and watched the open mic the week before. And uh, my one friend was like, "We sure you still want to go?" And I was like, "Dude, absolutely! Like, I feel like this is like a you gotta go now. Like, what do you?" Yeah. The universe is trying to stop you. <laughs> <laughs> like Final Destination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only it's not death. It's just not an open mic. Yeah, maybe my stand uh, will bring around something. I'm gonna jump back a little bit. Sorry. Would you say that you were more of a, a class clown or a class comedian? I would say I was uh, mostly quiet. Yeah. I would be. Uh, I would write. I wouldn't. I was never really out loud. Like uh, I was always kind of quiet. Like the kids that were loud and like making jokes, even the ones that were clever, were always always like, "What are you doing? Like, shut up! We're in school, man!" <laughs> like that's always the yeah. thought in my head. Like, shh. Yeah. Because like I went to Catholic school for twelve years, so I was always uh, yeah, me too. It was, yeah, it was always like shh, quiet. Like mm -hmm. that was always like it was never. It, creativity wasn't like discouraged. It's just like it wasn't encouraged in all forms. Yeah. 
It's kind of like, no, you can be creative in that class, yeah. in creative writing or in arts. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, shut up. Between two <laughs> yeah. and three. Yeah, you have seventh period, you'll be creative then. Yeah, no, I can relate to that uh, easily because I, I went to St. Martin of Tours, oh, okay. uh, where Jesse Snow also, also went. Uh, so I was there for eight years. Then I went to the now uh, exterminated, extinguished, uh, expired, uh, no longer in existence. <laughs> Just working through, yeah. working through the, the words here. Just yeah. bear with me. Uh, the no longer in existence Cardinal Doherty. Oh, you went to Doherty. Yeah. yeah, and then I went to De Sales University, so, oh, okay. which is also a Catholic, so it's a Catholic college. I had 16 years. Yeah. Uh, but I wasn't a uh, class clown or comedian either. I, I was the, just, guys, Yeah. she's up there trying to talk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to learn something here. Um, but I, would, I wouldn't be able to stop myself from laughing. For, at the other people and I would get in trouble a lot because of that yeah uh, so through eight years and this is the story of how I got the laugh that I have now when everybody assumes that I don't laugh at all okay uh, which is more just <laughs> that's it that's pretty much my laugh and just variations of that that's why that happened because I was consistently getting in trouble so you were stifling it I was stifling it and now <laughs> it's just habit that that's more often than not the, the sound that comes out of me when something is funny and it's that's a sad story of a laugh yeah, <laughs> your laugh—the <laughs> laughter was uh, beaten to within an inch of its life. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, that's why your laugh so quiet because people so tried to kill it, they tried yeah. to take it away from you. Yeah, I had somebody when when I was doing uh, the auditions for uh, what became Asteroid, it was Stormcrow at the time. Asked, he emailed me after the audition. Said a whole bunch of shit uh, that you don't say to somebody who you just auditioned for. <laughs> uh, but he also said, uh, "Did you find anything funny?" You didn't laugh once. <laughs> they, they, they emailed you to complain about the way their audition went? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the he time. wasn't cast. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so horrible if that worked. Okay, so you weren't class comedian, you weren't class clown, you just wanted to get, get some work done. Yeah. Uh, and then you, just in, in those hours, and then at the right moments, whether just because or to come to the defense of somebody else, you would... Yeah, like, yeah. It would always be, like it was. Uh, it was weird. Like I would uh, in high school. Like I played football the first two years because I was told that was a good way. To, like it was a good thing to do. Like they were like, "Hey, it's good. You meet friends. You go. You play sports. It's good." But like, uh, it turns out playing football is actually not a good thing. Like I did make friends, and I like the people I was like playing football with. But like, oh man, like I still have weird aches in my ribs, and like it just. Uh, oh, it's not good at all. I still have it? Yeah, yeah. Like I'll wake up and I, I can hear my ribs crack. How long did you play? Just for two years. Two years? Yeah, just freshman. How the hell do people do it for 14, 15, or 20 years? Well, I mean, one, they're probably better like, <laughs> physically than me to, to begin with, so they're probably like more suited towards it. But that, because like, I was the smallest lineman, like it was like, okay. it was, so like, I was just constantly getting like just rammed and beat on and like, yeah. and they were like, uh, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, and also you see their, when they get like physicals and like CAT scans and stuff, you see their bodies just scarred and like oh, everything's scar tissue, including like around their brain and shit like that. The whole that. body is just hairline fractures. Yeah, yeah. There was some study I was reading about like uh, uh, retired like NFL players and how like there's not a single one they found who doesn't have like scarring on their brain that should Jeez. lead to depression and things like that. Because like even when you're wearing the helmet, your brain's still, you're still getting mini yeah. concussions all the time, and Dang. so it's just. And they like it's. Uh, I, I kind of think eventually football's gonna go away. Like there's so much money in, <laughs> invested in it. And I, I like it. Don't get me wrong. I like football. I just like it's, it's like it becomes like a thing where eventually it's gonna take a while because football makes so much money. But yeah. eventually the the insurance is gonna catch up to yeah. it because of 
once once they I mean the whole thing when they start finding players for doing home to home hits mm-hmm. I was like well and but at the same time that's what they wanted to see because they they know people like that right so it's like they have to it's like what MMA putting rules on it yeah. like uh, or UFC putting rules on it, calling it MMA and stuff mm-hmm. instead when like UFC used to just be two guys beating the hell out of each yeah. other with no rules <laughs> and then insurance was like you can't do this in America like you yeah. have to go out to international waters and they're like oh well what if they put gloves on and there's a ref but yeah, it's just a barbaric thing. So I, I played football, and then, but then, so it was like kind of like, but then you feel like repressed, like it's like you gotta be, you have to act a certain way and yeah. go along with stuff. And then, so I started joining clubs that I thought I would like be better suited towards because I did well in school. I was always like getting good grades and like smart or whatever. So I joined like the robotics club and the mathematics club, which was basically like, the same like ten guys minus one or two. <laughs> and that was always the first one one that was, had a uh, band practice on one of those days. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And like I would go, I would go there, and like so at first I thought it was great because everybody's like making jokes, like money place on jokes and like stuff yeah. like that, like quoting the banana, the self defense with mm-hmm. fruit sketch and things like that. I was like, oh, this is great, and I would chime in with something that was like. Not a quote. Like, I would say something like something that I thought was very funny, like a dark twist on what they were saying. Everyone would stare at me, and I was like, you know. <laughs> and, like, and I think also, like, so there I was being looked at as, like, uh, the football kid trying to, like, just join a club. Yeah. And I was like, no, I actually like this. Like, so you're, like, Finn from Glee. I don't. I haven't watched that. Me either. I have not seen a single... Uh, well, thanks for coming in. <laughs> so, so is he like an athlete who's trying to... He, he's a football club? player okay. who joins the, the Glee Club. Oh, man. And, and so they all, are they like suspicious of him? Or? Uh, at first, I think, yeah. I haven't seen any of the second season. Uh, I'm sure some people listening to this, uh, will, which will be me. <laughs> okay. Uh, and hopefully by then I'll have seen the second season. Okay. Uh, so I can answer my own questions. Nice. Uh, but yeah, he joins the, the Glee Club because he can kind of sin, and then other people from the football team kind of join the glee club. Did anybody join the robotics club from the football team because you did? No. <laughs> no, no. Which is weird, because, like, uh, the the average GPA, I remember this still, because I was on D-line freshman year, the average, uh, and on our freshman team, the average uh, GPA of the D-line uh, was a 4-0, and it was only a 4-0 because I had a 3-5. So I brought down the D-line GPA. Because <laughs> it was a bunch of, like, it was funny. Like, I was the smallest dude at the lowest GPA. And, like, all these dudes were, like, bigger guys. And, like, like they looked like just idiots. They looked, uh, <laughs> but they were all in all the honors classes doing really well. And, like, uh, it was just, it was which was always funny. Because our coach, the D-line coach specifically, he was a nice guy. He was an idiot. He would admit it. He'd be like, I don't know what you guys were talking Like, we were sitting there doing homework one day before practice. He's like, oh, I'll help you, like, joking around, he picks it up, and he, like, reads it, you can tell he's, like, actually getting embarrassed, he doesn't know anything about what's on this, like, this freshman's homework, and he's just like, bunch of, you guys, bunch of nerds, <laughs> like, tells us to go run. Nerds? Yeah, oh, nerds. Uh, okay, well, you brought up Monty Python. Yeah. yeah. Monty Python. A couple times. Um, so that was, a, that was an influence for you. What oh, else, yeah. Man. What else was uh, going through young Brendan? Uh, well, I love... Helping to shape what you've become. Like comedy, like I love Monty Python. I think that was my favorite thing, and still probably is. Uh, but then, like I, I watched Saturday Night Live, like the Chris Farley years yeah, around there. Of course, I was a big Chris Farley fan as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that was funny. What was uh, what are some Chris Farley sketches or moments that kind of stand out still for you? Uh, the lunch lady sketch where he's uh dancing with Adam, Adam Sandler's face, Sloppy Joe. Yeah, Sloppy Joe. Yeah, yeah, Sloppy and Joe. he's uh. He's dancing like so hard in Adam yeah. Sandler's face. That Adam Sandler's like, and that was the first time I realized like, because you never really see that in Monty Python because they 
they record yeah. it. Yep. So if they mess up, they'll go back and right. do it again. So that was the first time I realized you could like mess somebody up, and that was funny. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's hilarious. I was like, he's being so much funnier than that yeah. other guy, yeah. and that he is making that guy screw up. I was yeah. like, that's hilarious. That's mm-hmm. great. I was like, the other guy should get better. Like, that was the thought, <laughs> which is like Adam Sandler. I was like, Adam Sandler should get better at his job. But like, yeah. <laughs> Chris Farley's being that much funnier. Yeah, that sketch I liked. Uh, for, I always enjoyed the. Uh, you remember it was him and Phil Hartman had the same final episode. And Is it like, really? I, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it was like a really sad thing because they sit there and so Chris, uh, Phil Hartman's playing like the adult, but they're just being themselves with characters. You know, and that's rings a bell, yeah. Yeah, and Hartman puts his arm around mm-hmm. Farley. Farley's like, "So what are we gonna do now?" Yeah, he's like, we'll be, we'll be. Uh, he says, "Will we be okay?" And Phil Hartman's like, "I hope so, buddy. I hope so." It's like, "Oh, they're yeah. not gonna be okay at all." Yeah. <laughs> no, no, they're not. But that was always a moment I enjoyed because I also like the uh, the John Belushi video of him going through the graveyard saying everyone else is dead before. Oh him. yeah. Because that was the joke that everyone knew that wasn't going to be the case. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was like, like a, a little short film thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that yeah like, like that type of Chris Farley stuff. And obviously, like, the, the Matt Foley, the, yeah. um, the, uh, the dancing with Patrick Swayze. Ah, the Chippendales, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's... Anyone where he's able to just... They, where they set up a scenario where him pushing as hard as he can makes it better mm-hmm. and doesn't seem like a, like a, a trying too hard. Mm. It does roll... Because it seems like a challenge for them to try to create a thing where him trying going way over the top yeah. made sense and, yeah. then, and then it worked and it was great. Because mm-hmm. that was him at his best. Yeah. The, the one that I quote still uh, and pretty much any chance I get when someone... Com- anytime someone comments on something that I'm eating Okay. It's the, the, the Gap Girls. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Lay off, I'm starving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. Either turning it on and off, yeah. That. Yeah. That's something I think, uh, I don't know if he came up with that that little quick little technique of yeah. the, the, the quick... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, it's something like Zach Galifianakis uses all the time. Does he? Yeah, yeah, like he'll, he'll, he'll just like be like uh, doing his thing and then turn it up real loud and then turn it back. And mm-hmm. it's, always, it's just funny, like a quick turnaround because it's, I don't, I, I don't know. It doesn't. That, that's the type of thing that doesn't necessarily. It sort of does. Like you know, like the basic rule of like you create tension, then you break it, and yeah. that's comedy. I guess the tension is like the quick, like oh what, and then you pull it back down yeah. right away, and so that's broken immediately. Mm-hmm. Or it breaks its own tension by being ridiculous because you're you're getting yelled at, but then you're like oh he's being ridiculous so yeah. immediately. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So Chris Farley, SNL, uh, Monty Python, anything? What about in the way of stand-ups? Oh, in the way of stand-ups, like uh, honestly, not too much at that point because I would watch like uh, some of my friends always wanted to watch Carla and they'd be like oh Carla's great but like we were little so I was, like looking back I kind of think they were just told that he was great and didn't yeah. understand it because yeah, like, I'd watch it too and like I, I would be watching it and I'd be like I don't know what he's talking about because yeah. he'd be like you got these people walking around talking this way thinking about this thing and they're just this thing and yeah. I'm like 12 and I'm like I don't even know yeah. the first part of that uh-huh. statement, let alone all the uh, psychology you're putting in there. Mm-hmm. Now, like then, once I was an adult, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is great." Go back and watch it. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, but as a kid, I was just like, "What the hell is he talking about?" <laughs> I used to like Sinbad a lot when I was little. Yeah, I would watch Sinbad specials because I was <laughs> like, I remember talking about there was no uh, black hair products in Denver, and being like, "There probably are." It probably are. Like, I had no idea, but I was like, oh man, this is hilarious. It's probably true. Yeah, from what I've been told by television, which is right now, uh, there are no black people in Denver. That's hilarious. It's in bed. Oh man, how do you think of that? It's like, now looking back, I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> like, what a. Yeah. That, that's how hacks exist. They play on ignorance. Yeah, I don't know if Sinbad's a hack, but like, just like the whole like doing other people's material or things mm-hmm. like that, because nobody knows. Or like a little kid, like. Like, well, when you, like, you ever read comments on a Carlos Messia video? Where someone posts a video like, here's here's the Bill Cosby bit about uh, raising your kid who becomes a football player. 
and here's Carlos Mencia doing the same one on yeah. HBO. The comments are like, oh, Carlos Mencia sucks. But then they're like, for every one of those, there's like 10 like, Carlos Mencia made it funnier, and who cares? Who, like, it's like, no, he didn't make it funnier than Bill Cosby did. That's a ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. like, like, maybe you could try to claim that when he's talking about stealing from like Ari Schaefer or something, but which is still not a fair point, but it's just like, okay, whatever. But like, he doesn't, like, that was insane to me. Uh, that he stole from Bill Cosby. Yeah. A bit about having a kid that grows up to be a football player. Yeah, go when... to some open mics. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and steal some good stuff there. Don't go to the Comedy Gold. The most known <laughs> <laughs> yeah. comedian ever. Yeah. The, the, I mean, pull, pull somebody else. You don't, you don't pull Cosby. And steal a bit that makes sense to steal. Yeah. Carlos Mencia doesn't have any kids. Yeah. He doesn't know what it's like to have a kid grow up to be a college football player. Because the whole bit ends with in Bill Cosby's thing, it's talked about how you, you spent so much time investing in your son and trying to make him great. And then he scores a touchdown on national TV and he says, hi, mom. And you're like, oh, but you're like, oh I know I raised him right. And then see it does the whole thing. But then, of course, ruins it. Like, takes out the good sentimental part and goes, and starts yelling, that fucking bitch. Oh, I hate her. How could that kid turn on me with that fucking bitch? And yeah. it's like, you're not married. You don't have kids. What are you talking about? Yeah. How, how, how insane is he that he thinks that makes sense? To, yeah. He's literally just reciting things he heard. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Carlos Mencia is not an influence. No, no. <laughs> uh, but no, no real, no, no real stand-ups. Uh, outside of uh, Sinbad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, once I got into college, I started listening to more stand-up. Like, uh, I started really liking Zach Galifianakis. Yeah, and like, I guess Louis Black would probably be one of the earliest okay. comics that I would always watch him. Like, because he'd do his little spots on the Daily Show when yeah. I was in high school. I remember always just thinking it was hilarious. He just ripped himself apart. I saw John Stewart when I was eighteen. That's a that was a because that's when I started really getting to the Daily Show, mm-hmm. and so he came and he did the Tower Theater, and I remember like thinking I was going to hear a bunch of political jokes and like wanting to hear that because I like the show. Yeah. But then I get there and he just did like regular just like personality driven stand up and it was great. Yeah. And I remember like I remember laughing so hard and never having laughed that hard. I got a TV show or anything because like a live experience obviously is better comedy yeah. experience. Mm-hmm. And I also learned something. I remember from that because uh, he talked about how when his cat was in heat, it would stick its ass up in the air and scream because <laughs> that's what female cats do when they're in heat. They okay. they present and they scream. And I'm, I guess a male cat's supposed to hear the screaming show up and fuck them, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, so I would always stay at my one friend's house and it, it, we'd have to like, you have to play music to go to sleep because his cat would just scream in the middle of the night like all the time. <laughs> and we would yell, like, shut up, you stupid cat. <laughs> and we'd just stand on the stairs just going, ah! <laughs> just like screaming it was horrible and I, we had no idea why and uh, one, that was one of my friends that was with me and when John Stewart said it like he's like yeah he's like because when cats are in heat they stick their ass up in there and they scream in the middle of the night and we looked at each other and we're like what? oh my god so like we learned something and we had a great time <laughs> yeah you could relate to it yeah uh, okay so we got Sinbad Louis Black uh, John Stewart uh, at what point did you feel that you were funny and then want to try that in front of people. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I was uh, well, I was working at Traffic.com at the time. And I'd already been like making comedy videos. You my, say Traffic.com? Yeah, yeah, I used to okay. work there in data entry. And uh, my one coworker and I, this dude Adam, we would try to make like videos. Because like, we heard about the It's Always Sunny. After their first season, they had a con- FX had a contest to submit like a five-minute like crummy pilot and see if it was like funny enough to make a show. But I don't think anybody... I don't know if anything came from that, but uh, I know nothing came of it for for us. But <laughs> so like, uh, but I remember just like being funny around the office. Like that's when I started actually. I became a class clown or class comedian, I guess, 
after school was completely over and yeah. I was in the workplace when it's like the least appropriate time to be that because I, I remember just uh, doing data entry just being so bored that like not caring I remember thinking like they fired me eh, <laughs> I, don't really, I don't really care and uh, so I was like always joking around and then my one friend this guy John Graham was already doing stand up and he was like, you're kind of funny. He's like, yeah. He's like, you ever think about doing stand-up? But he asked me that. And I was like, well, yeah. I was like, I have. And I was like, he's like, do you have stuff written? I was like, yeah. Like, <laughs> like I had it already. Like, I had my, like, secret yeah, packet yeah, of, like, yeah. of, like, what I was going to talk about. And he's like, and he told me where to go. I was like, where do you go? He told me, at that point, like, Helium was brand new. So he was like, you don't want to go there yet because, like, first impressions are important. So he's like, go to this crummy little, open, like, at the Northeast Cabaret. He's like, and just... The, on the boulevard? Yeah, yeah. The, all the way up at, uh, like, what is it, Byberry-ish? Yeah. Around there? It's right by the turnpike. Yeah. Where the turnpike crosses there. Yeah, I went there every Wednesday for at least a year. And uh, just going up. The first time I went on stage, I went up and told a story about uh, getting really drunk in college and, like, uh, thinking that the, the shower was the toilet and then taking a dump in the shower. And, like, so that was the story I told the first time I went on stage. <laughs> and I remember, like being so nervous I had to put my hand in my pocket to stop it from shaking uh, wow. the other one was holding the mic so I was just like I just like tightened my arm up as hard as I could <laughs> yeah. so that didn't shake but then this hand was I was like talking I realized I was doing this like what the fuck like, <laughs> what's I just, happening because I just stuck that hand in my pocket so I'm just going like ah like, to be, like just like tensing my stomach up and leaning for it and like no nah. <laughs> but I was at least getting some laughs because I had told the story so many times to like friends that, mm. that I had practiced it so I like had it memorized and then I was like oh and I was like, okay. And I went back the next week and told the story again. And someone, and someone, and it got less laughs. And someone was like, yeah, you gotta like tell new stuff. It's the same people here every week. And I was like, oh crap. Yeah. <laughs> was, like, uh, was that crowd mostly other comics performing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, at that time there would be like a random group of like ten or fifteen people that would show because it was it was sort of just comics. And then there was these like some people from like Bristol and stuff like that that would bring all their friends each time and it was like that was their night out and but they were all huge drunks and just degenerates like they were all wearing eagle shirts over giant guts and like it was so like I immediately in order to make them laugh like that became my goal to make them laugh whoever was there yeah and so it was just dirty comics and then and then idiots and so <laughs> my goal yeah I ended up just getting into like dirty comedy trying to be like and not like but I would do it on my own terms but I would just say I wasn't like being racist or things like how the rest of them were doing. I, I at least felt good about that, that I didn't, like, <laughs> stump, like uh, go down that low. But I was I was just doing blue material yeah. and just, like, just being dirty and raunchy and just, like, yeah, fuck this. And they'd be like, yeah, fuck that. That's confusing and I hate it. <laughs> and, like, I remember, like, every now and then I, I would step, and, like, so I would just start getting drunk, too, like, and it was just like, oh, yeah, fuck this, we're so drunk, yeah. It just became, like, a weird... Like, if everybody in AA didn't quit drinking, like, that's what this open mic felt like every oh, week. If it was a bunch of people who were like, we're all alcoholics. And, like, should we quit? No, let's just get in a yeah. circle once a week and talk at each other, all drunk. <laughs> and, like, and that's, like, what the open mic was for, like, a year. And, like, so at first, like, I remember the first time someone yelled something. It was, like, a few weeks in, and I was like, what the fuck? Like, uh, like I did, like, a heckler? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I was telling a joke, and it bombed, and I was like... Because I, I tried to tell, like, an absurd joke. I remember saying, uh... <laughs> I remember the joke too it was a joke about uh, it wasn't a good joke or anything but you ever see that email that got passed around and there's a caterpillar humping a french fry and, and the caterpillar is like uh, why aren't you moving is the thought in the caterpillar <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I see that that's so, pretty funny so it thinks like this crinkle fry is a uh, like, caterpillar I guess so it's, I, I don't <laughs> think caterpillars hump I don't know if they hump I don't know <laughs> probably <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but uh, 
So I, I went up and I tried to tell like an abstract joke. I guess was the goal in my head because that's like I was like that's what I like. Why am I doing a type of comedy? I don't like. Right. And I was like I had a dream about a caterpillar humping a French fry. Turns out it was just spam email or something, something, something <laughs> stupid like that. And I said it, and like so, a couple people were like, "Oh, that's pretty funny." One guy was like, "You stink." And just, <laughs> and I was just, just like, "You stink." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was all he had. He was like, "You stink." And then he like sw- swigged his beer. You're not very good. Well, and the, I, I remember I looked over. I was like, "What?" And like he he was drinking his beer in like celebration of having yelled, "You stink!" Yeah. And his friend was patting him on the back. His friend was patting him on the back. He was like, "You stink!" And his friend started patting him. Yeah, you tell him he stinks. And I was like. Yeah, that's, that's the worst. Yeah, I was like, "What the?" And then afterwards, I, I didn't, I didn't say anything back because I, I was, I was like, not ready for that yet. Yeah. I was still nervous. I was like, it's oh. "Too polite of a heckler to say anything back." Yeah, <laughs> I, like, well, I mean, maybe right now, yeah, <laughs> but I'm practicing, man. <laughs> well, like, come on, do you go to people's bands when they're in, in uh, people's garages when they're trying to start bands? You guys don't cook. We know we're at practice. Open up a beer, lean against the the car outside. Yeah. Boo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, this is the worst stairway to heaven ever. <laughs> it's like we're practicing. We're trying to get better. Free bird. Free me. This is the worst. Uh, okay. <laughs> so we've uh, covered... Well, the you said you, you were... Why am I doing blue material when I'm yeah. going to do like, this more absurd stuff? So you were already trying to find your voice yeah. early, early on? Well, and I didn't even know if it was knowing that I was trying to find my voice, but was it like knowing that I didn't really like the type of comedy I was doing. Yeah. Because I'd watch the people who were supposed to be really good at it, and they'd be like, they're killing it. I'd be like, this is boring. Yeah. <laughs> this is dumb. This is boring. It's like just variations on street jokes. And these yeah. are like headliners and people like that. And I'm yeah. like, this is horrible. Bro. Yeah. And, uh, but like I didn't have enough, uh, I didn't have the tools, enough of the tools to know how to make things funny more universally. So like I would get laughs if people were on the same wavelength, wavelength, and they were like, "Yeah, I see what you're saying. That's funny." Yeah. yeah. But I wasn't like doing really well at all. And I remember uh, then I start going down to Helium and I start seeing other comics doing like wackier stuff, and crowds were listening, and I was like, "Oh, the real part of the city, the center. Yeah, let's go to Center City." I was like, "People have jobs that yeah. aren't hammering things." I was like, let's, let's, "Let's talk to those people." And I, then I was like, and I started being able to do whatever type of material I wanted. I was still sort of being dirty because because uh, uh, it's a stupid radio show. Uh, Kid Chris was still in Philly, and so every comic that got on there got a lot of work and like a lot of shows. And so yeah. I was like, oh, that's the thing to do. But they just want dirty, stupid comedy. Yeah. And I was just like, oh. and because uh, I don't, I liked Opie and Anthony too. Like mm-hmm. I would listen to them every now and then when they were still on Terrestrial. And uh, I actually did a contest on them after being in Santa for a year. I went on their thing, and it's obviously dirty stuff. And I told some jokes, and they, uh, and I got through to the second round. And then uh, McGonagall won their contest to open up their big thing. Mm-hmm. But so either way, I just done really well on national radio, so I was like excited about that. Yep. And then, uh, <laughs> but it didn't turn into anything because uh, the Kid Chris show was talking about me later that day. I remember, and like they were like, "Yeah, that guy, you were funny, man. Call me, maybe you can uh, be one of the guys we have on." I was like, "Oh, here it is." <laughs> yeah. I was like, "A year in, I'm gonna be successful now," yeah. <laughs> which like doesn't make any sense because just being a radio guy sucks. And it's not, yeah. but so I called in. And I was like, "Yeah, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, "All right, that's boring." And then like hung up, and I was like, "Okay." Yeah, I was like, "Oh, well, I guess I bombed my first phone in." <laughs> I was like, "So," because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Yeah, and uh, so I was like, "Oh, this sucks." So how old were you when this was happening? I think you said that you were a year. In yeah, I've been doing just, a, just, a year. just for a year, and you're, you've already made it through the second round of a well because it was open to anybody. 
Okay. So it was, uh, and you only had to do like a minute of stand-up. And it's called Car Crash Comedy. Uh, I guess I was, what is that, five years ago? I guess I was like 22, 23. Okay. Around there. So, uh, yeah, all you had to do was, you had a minute of stand-up, so you got like basically three or four jokes out depending upon how short they were. And if they didn't like you, they would hit a car crash down. If you got three car crashes, you were out. I got one. <laughs> and so I got to go to the crash. second round. Yeah, they called it car crash comedy. And uh, yeah, they were just they were just like mean and brutal, which is like the point of that show. Yeah. And it, it was funny to listen. I remember like they, because <laughs> it was it was like Jim Norton and then the Obi Anthony guys sitting there, and oh, there yeah. was a. Uh, I, I remember this one comic went up, and uh, she she was a heavy set lady, and she was like nice enough, but she wanted to do dirty comedy because she like maybe the same reasons I had. I don't know. I never talked to her about it, but she would like. But the one thing I knew is if you're going to do that type of comedy, like mean and dirty comedy, you have to be able to take it. Yeah. Because like otherwise you're a dick, you're a hypocrite. If you're going out there saying horrible things about people and someone says something mean back and you go, hey, yeah, it's like well you're you're the worst person because like you're just you're just a mean person. Yep. But so she, this heavy set lady went up, and uh, she's telling her dirty jokes, and they're like, oh, shut up, and like because they were really bad jokes in the car crasher. And uh, they just start ripping on her yeah. so bad, and like she she wasn't like a young person; she was like thirty something. But she's like sitting with her husband, and like he kept every time they trash her because they kept going back to it because of how bad it was. And they have I guess they caught like a riff on something funny about her, so they kept bringing it back. <laughs> and Norton even actually tried to like defend her. He's like, well, you know, maybe it wasn't the worst thing we've ever seen. And there's like a moment of pause, and they're just like, it was. <laughs> and and then I remember the line I think that to me was the funniest was he turns to her and he goes. Sorry, fat. So I tried to defend. Jeez, <laughs> oh, uh, they. Oh, she got called like uh, Kathy Bateman and a Joan Jetwig. Like, it was just, <laughs> just like the worst, meanest things. And like it was nothing nice about it. But like her standup wasn't nice. It was like trashing people, saying horrible things. Yeah. And but I remember just seeing her sink into herself. And and even though like I wasn't gonna win or anything, I just remember being like, wow, I'm past that. Yeah. I'm past the point where I sink into myself and someone says something bad. Because, like, I got insulted, too. But they're like, oh, you're kind of funny, you fat idiot. Like, stuff like that. Yeah. I was like, oh, thanks, dummies. I don't, I don't think I even had, I don't think I even insulted them back. Because yeah. people I've been listening to on the radio, so I was kind of still like, yeah. Uh. But, yeah, I don't know. Every time I meet a, uh, like someone I've looked up to, it always goes badly. Like, it's, all, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, like I something know. I don't want to do anymore. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, there, there are people that I'd love to meet, but at the same time, it it I, sometimes I feel like it would be going back and watching that childhood movie that you grew up and it was great, yeah. and then you you see it on cable, you go to watch it, and it's the worst thing ever. Yeah, uh, yeah. I would not. Who did you? Who? Well, I got to like sort of meet Jim Norton then, because I got to go back because like McGonagall dropped out of it because like he didn't want to do it for whatever reason, yeah. and so I got to go back. So I'm backstage at the TLA, and like everybody's running around like being all busy running a radio show. And, like, so I go up and I bomb because it was, like, 10 in the morning. The show had been going since 6. Everybody yeah. there was drinking and, like, just booing the hell out of everything. And so I was just, like, I knew I was going to get booed. So I wasn't even nervous at that point. Like, I walked out in front of, like, 500-some people. And I walked out and I told, like, half a joke. And I was like, right? Like, and I, it was, like, some dumb joke. I said it like that, like, condescendingly. Well, yeah, I said it, like, real condescendingly because I was like, I was like, when are you going to start booing was the thought in my head. And so I was yeah. like, right? And people were like, ah, ha, ha, boo, boo. It was literally last to turn into a boo. And I was like, oh, screw you. I was like, you suck, you suck, look at you. I just started calling people losers, and like, which is like not a good strategy. So they just car crashed me three times real fast. I was like, oh, this sucks, who cares? And then I turned around, I was like, I walk over to like to the table, because like, uh, people walked over and shook their hands, like, hey, nice to meet you, or whatever. So I walk over and go, hey, like, nice to meet you. And he goes like, Oh, come on. And I was like, okay. And I walked off the stage, and he was like, and the mom's like, do you try, do you, 
And I try to shake your hand. He's like, I'm not going to shake your hand. Someone that's talking bad about our fans. And the audience starts cheering. I was like, oh. Uh, okay. I see. Can't even uh, be honest. Come on. He could have been honest. He, and folded, like, he folded for for everybody that couldn't see. Which yeah. Is oh, yeah. He folded me. his arms. Yeah. He just folded his arms and kind of turned away. Yeah. Oh, and I was like, oh. I just walked up and said, like, what the fuck? Bogus move. Yeah. Um, so you didn't do any stand-up in high school? No. At all? So you really didn't do it until college sometime? Yeah, I was uh, like 22, after college. After college? Yeah, yeah. Okay. 22, I think, was when I started, yeah. Alright. Uh, where did you... You said you went to film school. Where was that? Temple. I went okay, to film Temple. school uh, for two years, just like football. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I went there for two years, uh, and then... Lots of injuries, I'm sure. In oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Still wake up hurt. I got, a, I got an internship during the summer after my second year, and I was already thinking about not going to school anymore, because it was like... I didn't like it. I didn't like film school. Uh, the, and because there was a thing that always stuck in my head the very first day of class, they said film school was worthless. The teacher said that out loud, and I was like, <laughs> and she was like, and but she had a point. She was like, she was like, it's not that you have a degree from here; it's what you make. You're you're real or whatever. I was like, oh, but she should have been more specific. I feel and been like, but you do need a degree in order to show people you're real. <laughs> a lot of times, yeah. but so either way, so I got an internship that turned into a job. So I just stopped going to school. And so I edited like indie films, like uh, indie concert videos and indie music films and stuff. Mm-hmm. For a little bit, then uh, Traffic.com paid me more, so I did data entry. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, too, went to a film school, not the Temple. Oh, yeah. I was part of the first class of DeSales University, which is out, right outside of Philly. Yeah. Uh, around the Allentown. Uh, I wanted to be a theater major, uh, but I remember checking off on the application. I didn't, I didn't see theater. Okay. Listed, so I checked TP Film, thinking, ah, it's close enough, and I'll, I'll change it when I get there. Yeah. Uh, and I never changed, and it ended up being one of the best things, because right. I still did all the theater stuff I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, but I also learned how to create my own, my own shit, yeah. my own things. Uh, yeah, so I mostly acted. I didn't direct much. I did run a sketch show in oh, cool. college and everything, but um, this is about you. Uh, well, my friend from high school actually went to the sales. Uh, he, I think he was a theater major. I know, like, comedy. I wrote, I wrote a one-act when I was a senior in high school. Mm. And so, because they had a collection of one-acts for anybody that was in the drama club. That was mm. the one club that I went to and actually liked. Because basically, you would just... You'd sign up to go see shows at, like, Villanova and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so you could, like, bring your girlfriend or whoever. Yeah. And so, like, it wasn't much of a club. It was just kind of like, hey, here's when that show is. The bus will be here. Show up for the bus. You go and do that. Yeah. But then part of it was, if you were in the drama club, you got to write a one-act. And so... Uh, I, but I do remember the, the other two people... Who, because only three people wrote one act my senior year, and uh, the other two people I remember being like having this like sort of attitude, like I wasn't taking it seriously enough because I was writing a comedy. Yeah. One guy, but neither of them wrote theirs. The uh, the one guy put on rope, uh, Alfred Hitchcock rope as a yeah. as a play, and the other guy put on an episode of Friends. <laughs> but they but they were like they were real serious about it. Yeah. I guess I wasn't using a lot of actors who people who had done plays and stuff. I was picking people who I knew, yeah, I, who I thought were like talented and good. But like, and so I picked some actors too. Mm. But like, it was the people who I thought were good, and not just like the people that were all friends in the musical together. Which yeah. was like, which was they were nice enough people. I liked them, but like, there was this kind of this undeserved condescending attitude coming out of them towards yeah. anybody else that wanted to go on stage. And yeah. I was like, hey, you're a high school musical. <laughs> yeah, maybe one of you will go on to something. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe drop the attitude. Do you still? Well, was the one act any good? 
I were. think so. Yeah, yeah, the audience was laughing. Uh, it was ridiculous. It was all over the top. It was uh, it's called Secret Secret. Do you still have it? Uh, I, there's a tape of it somewhere. No, I mean, do you still have the script? No, I, I gotta find it. I wanna I wanna put it on at Guilty Pleasures. Uh, oh, okay, Guilty, Guilty Pleasures. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you wanna play the tape? Well, or uh, or or have people act it out because it was like and like make fun of it because there's definitely like all the jokes are kind of like. Uh, like, one of the jokes was that the one guy was supposed to be uh, Native American, and he was running the casino, uh, but the only thing Native American about him was his headdress. He, he wore a Slayer t-shirt. I remember that being very important, that he had a Slayer t-shirt on, because I just thought that was ridiculous that anybody would wear a Slayer t-shirt. Yeah. And uh, like I wrote it mostly at lunch in the cafeteria with my friends. Like I'd be, they'd be like, what if this guy did this? I'd be like, yeah. And I was like, writing stuff like that. <laughs> and he was writing down that way. And it was all just based around a card game. And, uh, yeah, it was... The guy who ended up going to the sales, he he agreed to be in it, and um, do you remember his name? Yeah, Will Gallagher. I don't think I know. Ah, fair enough. But uh, <laughs> so he uh, he played a guy whose his character was defined. It was a lot of like melodrama because like uh, it was just the actions dictating the characters. Yeah. And uh, he he was a guy who didn't wear a shirt, and and his belt was uh, the extension cord to a. Uh, uh, work light that he drug behind him and he was on a date with Dracula <laughs> and so him and Dracula Dracula was a guy dressed like he was going to a Dave Matthews concert wearing a cape who would run up and just go blah of course <laughs> and yeah. that was yeah. so it was very uh, childish but there was stuff in it that the guy like people made funny there was there was dialogue in it that I was still like I thought it was funny enough yeah. Yeah. It, was, it was a wacky play <laughs> cool it was called Secret Secret because it ended with a dance number uh, from Mr. Roboto <laughs> Because that's the line, uh, that's the chorus. Uh, secret, secret. He's got okay, a secret. Yeah, yeah. Had nothing to do with the play. It wasn't like a, it wasn't like a clever lead up to the song. It was just it was like, what if we just ended with this song? Because I was like I said, writing in the cafeteria, so I was like, yeah, that song's great. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. So you're doing comedy in Philly. Is that the first form, the art form of comedy that you've gotten into? Is stand up? Yes, I'd say yeah. Stand up was definitely. Well, like, I would make short, like, videos and stuff like that in college, but it was never, like, it was always just, like, oh, I like comedy, and I'm trying to make films, so I'll make them comedies. Yeah. But, uh, I guess the first real, like, I want to do comedy was stand-up, and that was, uh, so yeah, I did stand-up for, like, three years. Mm -hmm. I started doing Guilty Pleasures at the Shubin. I've been doing that for three years now. It's been three years, and you do that with, uh... <coughs> Roger Snare. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and, uh... Yeah, I started doing that show because uh, Greg Gethard, because um, I tried to do a sketch on bedtime stories and went very bad. Because <laughs> I, I, well, like it could have gone all right, but like, I wanted to do it with my friend John Graham, the guy who got me into stand up, and he's uh, he happens to be a black guy, and the sketch was going to be, uh, we were college students, and it was my first day of college, and I was supposed to be this like white kid that loved rap from the Midwest, going to college, and he was just supposed to be a regular guy in college. And so I was going to try to talk to him like I was in a rap video and he was, he was going to be like, what are you, why are you, stop it, why are you talking to me like that? And I had written out and everything. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but then he had an emergency to take his daughter to the hospital that day. So, uh, the, and I don't know if you've noticed that the shoe not a lot of black people. No. So, uh, couple. so I had to get Doogie to fill in. <laughs> and, uh, did oh, Doogie Horner. Okay, yeah, yeah. uh, really, uh, really not black at all. No. And, um, probably, probably the antithesis of a black, of a black man. Yeah. And uh, so, <laughs> I, so then my goal was like, oh, maybe it'll be so opposite, it'll be funny. And I went out, and any of the jokes that like would have been funny before 
was now just people being like, uh, that's a little, why are you <laughs> saying that? That's a little uncomfortable. Yeah. And me just being like in my head, like, oh, I just shouldn't have done it. Just should have said I can't show up and not done it. But then I talked to Greg Gether afterwards. He's like, do you have any like other, like, and we started like talking like through emails and stuff. I talked about that idea I had because like from film school, you get a lot of bad scripts or at least access to them and you see them. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember always like reading them with my friends and like reading them out loud, making fun of like, just like, the horrible, like, just the grammar and punctuation of people that are supposed to be in college and, <laughs> and like, yeah. they're in college. It's like, how do you not, yeah. how, why do you keep using ellipses like they're commas? Like, what, like, like stuff like that. Like, just, like, wh- where do you get this from? Like, any time in a script when, like, people use just, like, a whole string of periods and call it, well, they don't know the term is ellipsis, but they right. call it dot, 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 and, like, and, like, they just use a whole bunch of them. Like, you can't just put however many you want. Run on sentence. Yeah. Yeah, you can't, you can't put seven in a row and, I mean, oh, it's a long pause. No, it doesn't mean long pause. It means you wrote the wrong amount of periods there. You fell asleep on the keyboard. But just, like, stuff like that. And then, so, Greg told me uh, about Greg Martin. He's like, yeah, I'll introduce you to him. And uh, he set up the show, and so I did that. And then... Uh, did a test run on Ken Haynes' show at the time. It was like talk show, and it went really well. I also read a, an email on that show that I had written to an ex-girlfriend right before we broke up that like I was really pathetic in, and like <laughs> it was like this really like like passive aggressive email where I was trying to like manipulate. It was not good, and so but then I was so I read it and it was very embarrassing, but everybody liked it. It was very funny, and so then they were like, "Yeah, you can do a monthly show now." Blah blah, and so it worked out well. I've been doing that for three years, and it's always fun and. Uh, then I start getting into sketch, because I wanted to do sketch, because yeah. like, like I would watch other people do it. I was like, That's that was my next uh, my next stop. Where yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, because like I guess sketch is sketch is probably the thing I do most now. Yeah, uh, like I like doing stand up. Doing sketch actually makes me, and it, sketch and improv makes me appreciate stand up more because you don't have to agree with anyone on anything. You like it's like <laughs> like the little like yeah. it's never real, real arguments. Like should we do this show or should we not do this show? Oh, I have this opinion. I have this opinion. Mm-hmm. If it's just me, I go, yeah, I go and do it. It's like, what are we going to do? I don't care. I'm going to do the thing I want to do. Because yeah. it's, not, it's not a we, it's an I. Yep. And so it becomes even more about just expression, like personal expression then. And sketch can be that, but it's still a group of people. So right. everybody's going to have some sort of say on it. You're going to have other people acting it out. So, mm-hmm. so. And the sketch group you do is Camp Woods, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm in Camp Woods, yeah. Uh, were you one of the... Original members of Camp Woods? No, uh, Camp Woods was originally. Uh, I think I remember hearing this before, but yeah, it was uh, it was JP uh, JP Bowman, Sam Narisi, Pat Foy, and another guy Kevin. Uh, Kevin since left the group, and uh, so when it was for them, they asked me to join the group because I was do- they would have me do stand up on shows with them and stuff. Yeah, and they were like, "Do you ever think about writing sketches?" I was like, "Yeah," and I actually had written some sketches and stuff because I was, and I was looking for people to write them with. Like, I'd, uh, I'd been, uh, like, Megan Robb were people I was, I was friends with, and so, and I would do stand-up on their shows, and I'd be like, you guys want, like, maybe, like, a third person in some sketches? And they were like, no. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't realize that at first that, like, it's annoying to ask sketch groups if you can do stuff with them, like, because, like, yeah. when you don't have anybody else to do stuff with, you're just like, well, I guess if I, if I ask them and they say no, I'm still in the same boat. Yeah. And, but, like, so... I mean, what if I write a sketch you guys do it and they were like and that's like the worst thing to ask a sketch group it's like no I don't want to do your sketch like yeah. that's horrible but uh but yeah so but like they were like oh whatever and uh so I wanted to get into sketch and so I actually also tried to start doing sketches with uh, Aaron Herzog at the same time that Camp Woods asked me to join them mm-hmm. so that's how that's why a speech committee exists because <laughs> we needed a name for a sketch contest we entered and then won and I felt bad because we beat Camp Woods in that and, and it was just you and Aaron? Yeah. 
wow. uh, doing a sketch that we had just outlined and bought costumes for. <laughs> <laughs> and but it was at Helium, and we used microphones, and so I think that was a big part of it because like Helium's not set up for regular sketches because uh, you can't really hear too well, and it's not everybody can't see the stage the same. Yeah, it's set for it's made for one person or maybe two people to stand up front of the yeah. stage and talk, which is what we did. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah, so I. I always felt a little bad about that. I remember when they were saying, like, because we knew we had just done very well, and we're like, but there's judges, though. So that's like, we thought that was the saving grace. Yeah. The judges actually were Rob and uh, Ali Sewell and uh, I think maybe Paul Trigg. But, uh, oh, Ben Marr, maybe. But I was like, I was like, uh, I was like, so maybe they'll know that we're just being assholes and they won't. And, and they even said that. They're like, we know you were just being assholes, but. <laughs> Unfortunately, you were the fu- there was four categories. They had to rank us in. Like you, you, were, you got the most laughs. Yeah, you were the funniest. You made us laugh the most, and you did blah blah. blah. And then in the uh, the pre- there was a preparation uh, column, and we were told we got zero points in that from all the judges. <laughs> but it didn't matter because we got it's still so high. Wow. Yeah, and like right before they said we had won that thing, me and Aaron were sitting at the table. And they said who came in second and third, and it was the other two groups that had done the best. And we we're like. Oh, <laughs> right, that means it's gonna be us, isn't it? And everyone's like, "We're assholes, right?" And I was like, "Yeah, I think we might be assholes." Yeah. And then we went up and we're like, ah, ah, right. Well, I remember uh, at the Wit Out Awards. Oh yeah. Uh, when, <laughs> when Hate Speech won Best Improv Group. Uh, what, what, what did you say then? Oh, I remember what I said. I uh, <laughs> I went up and um, because I was talking to Aaron ahead of time, I was like, because uh, um. I'll, I'll admit this on this podcast because uh, you know how Aaron was one of the people organizing that. Mm-hmm. So he came to me uh, in confidence and after the results came in and was like, uh, hey, I think we should uh, think about not accepting the award. I was like, what award? And he was like, well. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what? And so he said it just to me. He was like, so hate speech is going to win the uh, Best Improv Award and uh, I think we should, uh, I'll just, I think I'll just tell him to say whoever came in second is the winner. Uh, uh, and then no one will know, and no one will be angry. And I was like, I was like, well, I was like, that's fair. I was like, but we did, we did work hard. Like we weren't, right. we actually did try hard at improv. Like we practiced for a few months before we ever went on stage and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I felt more okay about that. But when I went on stage, I, uh, I, I brought up a conversation because I, because I got into improv because it was after a Schumann show. I think there was like sketch and improv that night or something. And so all the improv people that were at the improv show were hanging out at Tattoo Moms afterwards. And then I think, then there was, yeah, then there was SketchUp. And then, so I went over to Tattoo Miles with some people afterwards. And I was talking to uh, Jason Grimley and uh, Kristen and Amy. And, uh, and we're sitting there, everybody's like drinking and just goofing around. And uh, they were like, oh, how'd the sketch show go? Like, trying to, like, I was like, it went well. I was like, how'd the improv show go? I was like, how'd the make em ups go? Or like, something like, you know, just joking around like that. And they're like, uh, and we started, I was like, they started making fun of stand up. And they're like, I, I still remember because like Amy was like, "Look at me! I'm just talking about things I think about." <laughs> and, like, and it was like it was just everybody just goofing around, and I was like, uh, "It's a pretty good, Amy." Bro. Yeah, <laughs> I remember being like, uh, I was making fun. of I was like, "Oh look, uh, here's an apple. Oops, I fell down. Is that funny? Oops, I fell down again. Am I funny yet?" And, <laughs> and like so, we're just like just busting balls back and forth. Yeah. And then uh, they were like. Uh, I said something, I was like, improv's easy, and they're, and they're like, no, stand-up's easy, improv takes training, there's no training for stand-up, and I was like, uh, <laughs> I was like, okay, I was like, I was like, I, was like, I want to do improv, I was like, it looks like fun, I was like, and I, but I said, I was honest, that was me, I wasn't even joking around, I was like, it looks like fun, like, every time I see an improv show, like, I'm doing stand-up with an improv people, or doing sketch with improv people, like, on the same show, 
I would see the improv people like doing warm ups and stuff and smiling and being like, yeah, it's great. And like before a sketch show or a stamp show, everyone was just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and so it was just like, like it looks like fun, and it was like, and you get to go up there and people laugh the same, but you don't have to feel horrible leading up to it. I was yeah. like, or maybe you do, but like it, it seems like people don't. And and so I was like, I want to take a class, and like take a class, you'll see there's more to it. And I was like, okay, and they were, and uh, at this point, uh, Greg was there too, and uh, I think both Kristen and Jason had one on one classes starting up within that week. And I was like, I'll take one of your classes. What do you guys teach me? Like, I'm all like, I'm like, just teach me. Teach me what's going on. And they're like, all right, fine, fine. And so I got, like, an email from Greg next day. He's like, are you serious about taking the class? And I was like, yeah. He's like, all right, cool. He's like, if you got the money, you can sign up. I was like, all right. So I saw the job. So I was like, yeah, I want it. So I signed up, and I started taking the class. And so anyway, so I took Jason's class, and I took Emily's class. And uh, I enjoyed them both. They were both great teachers. Uh, I feel like, like uh, Jason's class was, like, a thing where it was, like, because I, I watched improv, and I remember trying to figure out what it was. Like, you know, like how, without, because at first I didn't want to spend any money. So <laughs> my goal was to learn improv by watching yeah. and not and not actually just asking or paying the, <laughs> the money to take a class, mm-hmm. which is obviously not a good plan. Like, I auditioned for house teams, I think, like about like a few months before I took the first class. Because in my head I was like, I'll audition. And then they'll have to say out loud what I'm supposed to do. So then I'll be able to be like, oh, that's what you're supposed to do. And then I'll know what you're yeah, supposed to do. Yeah, know the secret. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, now here's the secret. Uh, and do the secret thing. And they just gave it away in an audition. Yeah. <laughs> but, Idiots. Uh, yeah, I, when, I, I, when I did that audition, like, because I'd ask Greg, too, like, through an email. I was, like, is, I was like, is it okay if someone with no experience auditions? And he was like, yeah. He's like, that's fine. He's like, he's like, don't expect too much. He's like, but you can show up. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so, so it was pretty encouraging. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, cool. Don't expect too much, but yeah. you can show up. Yeah, you, you can be there. And I was yeah. like, okay. We'll put you in a spot. And I remember I I chose, because it was in April. I remember that. Because the auditions were in April of like two years ago, maybe. And uh, I'd just been laid off. So I was just like, and I wasn't like sad about being laid off because I got like a good service package and stuff like that. But I was like, all right, what am I going to do? I have a lot of free time now. I was like, I don't know, let's uh, see how this goes. So I went and auditioned, and uh, I remember I was hungover, because it was the day after my birthday. And uh, so I was staying there, and the first game was Tag uh, Everybody's It. I don't, I don't know that, but it's a game where everybody's supposed to just run around tagging each other. Mm-hmm. And I'm really hungover, so I'm like moving slow, like I feel like crunchy, because like, I drank so much tequila. <laughs> and I'm just like, and, the, and they, so we're all standing on the stage, and uh, they're like, hey, uh, Tag, everybody's it, go. Everybody starts running around, and I'm like, what the fuck? And like, people like, were like, slapping me. And, like, what like, are you doing? Yeah, like, uh, a lot of stand-up comics, per- to, to stand-up comics, like, personal contact is fucking weird. Because it's, like, <laughs> it's like, after a show, like, you're just like, because like, you go out there, and you're like, I'm really weird and awkward. And they're like, oh, it was funny. You are weird and awkward. And you walk, and you're like, ah. But so, like, I'm hungover, and then he's going, and everybody started moving really fast. Or at least it felt like everyone was moving really fast yeah. and tagging each other. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Blurs. Yeah, and, and so I remember, and they said, like, you can, because I asked, because Jason's like, does anybody have any questions? Because he was, like, running it, and I was like, like, what, like, so you just have to tag everybody? He's like, well, you can make it whatever you want to make it. And I was like, okay. And I hadn't really interacted with Jason yet at this point. Like, this was me, like, meeting him. So, so I just started swatting people's hands away. Because <laughs> I was like, okay, how would I, he's like, he's, just, he's like, you're playing a game where every, it's tagged, but everyone's it. So how would you play that? I was like, okay, swat everyone's hands away. <laughs> so everyone starts, and I just start slapping hands as they come near. And I'm like, <laughs> so, but I was just standing still, being like very unphysical, which is like not good, obviously, unless it's intentional. But right. like, uh, so I do that. And then the next game was uh, past the face. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing that, but I was still like 
nervous to do it because it's like I don't know, I'm just acting silly in front of people. Yeah. Okay. It was like, was anybody, I remember thinking like in my head like you gotta be drunk to do this because like everybody, <laughs> nobody seems drunk. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's just like you gotta let your guard down. Yeah. Gotta be okay. Uh, yeah. Be embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I was like, yeah, I guess I, I guess I am. I don't know. Because that was the thing. And like I, that was, I did want to get into improv because I knew it would. Because I heard a Louis C.K. interview where he said like uh, he talked about how he was friends with some improv people out in L.A. from like I guess TVs and movies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're like, yeah, man, like you're fine. You can come in and you, you can like uh, play in with us uh, on a show on a set or whatever. And he was like, okay. He's like, so I just he's like, you go out there and he's like, and you just and they gave him just basic rundown. They're like, you just you have to agree with things. You have to yes and they just told him that. And then he's like, okay, cool. So. He decided it would be funny because obviously, and like this is not the most original idea, but he had never done this before, so to him it was to walk out and just disagree with whatever anybody said and, <laughs> and tell them they're stupid for thinking whatever they just said. Yeah. And so he walked out, and his first scene he was in, uh, the person walked in, and they said, the person was like, Okay, uh, hi, yes, is this the pet store where you buy the singing uh, animals? And, and he goes, No, he's like, That's not. No singing animals. What are you talking about? And he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. No, isn't there a sign outside your store that says magical singing animals?" He's like, "Of course not. That's fucking stupid." He's like, "What are you talking about?" And like, "Oh, it must be around the corner." He's like, "No." He's like, "Why would there be two pet stores near each other?" And like, just like, so the crowd's laughing because he's being a dick. But like, so he said, got to the point where eventually he was just doing stand up because he pissed everybody else off so bad that they wouldn't go off the back line. Wow. So he just did stand up for like ten minutes at the end. And like, so he was saying like, uh, and he's like, he's laughing, talking about, it, but he's like, uh, he's like, I felt like a real dick. He's like, and also, uh, he's like, I don't know how to act, and all those people do, because I guess it's people that get TV work and stuff. Yeah. He, he didn't say names of anybody, right. but he's like, uh, he's like, and they're all very funny, and they know how to be funny in a way I don't know how to be funny. He's like, I know how to be funny as myself, I don't know how to be funny as someone else. He's like, and I've wanted. To, he's like, I want to make films, I want to act. He's like, and he's like, I probably should learn that. And I remember being like, oh, yeah, I probably should learn that. That's a good idea. He's, this, this guy who's a genius is probably correct. And so then, uh, so eventually I took the classes. And uh, then I didn't make any, uh, I, didn't audi- I didn't make any house teams or whatever. So I was just like, all right, I'll just do some improv with my friends. And I picked people who I knew were like good at it or funny or wanted to do it. And, and, then, <laughs> and, then, and so we were already called hate speech because it was me and Aaron. Because right. both me and him had the same thought process. Like, we should, because he had taken one before. And then we both took a level two together, which was with Emily Davis, and uh, we liked it a lot. And so then we started doing that, and we, we practiced really hard. We got Jason to be our coach. And he coached us every Monday or Tuesday, it was, for like two months, mm-hmm. two, three months. And then we, uh, we started doing some shows, and it went well. And then so, so then we so then we win the without award. <laughs> and uh, so he for told best me, improv group. For best improv group. <laughs> and uh, so <laughs> we... Um, so I'd been thinking about it, like going out there, and I was like, "What should I say?" I was like, "I was like, I shouldn't take it seriously." I was like, "I should be, I should be a kind of like a dick about it," because people are gonna feel that way. I was like, "That was, I was like, I know people, you know, because I knew it was filled with people who, if they weren't invested in it, there were still part of people who were like, "Yeah, but that shouldn't could happen." Like, and I remember, I was still before we walked up, I was still on the fence about saying that. I was think, I was still thinking about walking up, just being like, "Oh, thank you, that's really nice." But when they say uh, best winner, the winner for improv hate speech committee, I remember I heard someone because uh, there was uh, like two or three tables of people who I knew from improv, and from that area, I don't know who said it. Someone went, "What?" Like that out loud, and I was like, "Oh, I'm saying it." Like that was the thought. It was immediate. Like, "Oh, yep, saying it." You just told me, so I walked up, 
And I was like, uh, <laughs> and I said this thing about, uh, I was like, it's funny, about a year and a half ago, I was hanging out with uh, Kristen and Amy and Jason, and they were goofing around saying, uh, stand-up's uh, stupid and easy to do, and I was goofing around saying, improv stupid and easy to do. And so then I formed an improv group with some of my friends, and now a year and a half later, I'm the best at it in the city. <laughs> and like, I just said it just to be a dick. And I don't actually think that. But um, everybody laughed. And then I was like, but seriously, we only won because we perform in front of different people, get outside your bubble. Mm-hmm. And um, and that was, that was it's not like a, I think it's correct. That's why, because we got votes from stand-ups. Yeah. And stand-ups could vote, and stand-ups don't know any of the other improv groups. Yeah. They, don't, they don't know Amy and Kristen, they don't know Medic, they don't know Asteroid, because they've never met them. Yeah. I've never done shows with them. So, so more often than not, uh, improvisers, imp- improvisers, yeah. improv, <laughs> improvisers, <laughs> improvisers, uh, uh, you say are just state of themselves? Uh, yeah, I would, I've, what I've noticed is that, yeah, because like, uh, you don't have to, because there's such a good, strong community, you don't have to go outside of it. Yeah. Like, uh, with stand-up, like, I've met, like, there's cliques in stand-up, and I've probably performed or been around all of them that I know of and around Philadelphia because you have to because like otherwise you're not doing shows because no one group of stand-ups is putting on a show every week or whatever but with improv you don't have to because yep. like cause it, which is good it's good and uh, and it's not good yeah like it's, it's pros and cons because like yeah. the pros are that you feel safe mm-hmm. which is important in improv to but then also not having to deal with hecklers is good but also then bad because it's like you're you get thin skin. Like, oh, know. there's there's hecklers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> at improv shows. Oh yeah, really? Yeah. Well, and you got to figure that you're you're doing improv sometimes in a bar. Oh, uh, oh I'm sorry. I'm, I meant like the Shubin and like and at, oh, like, the Shubin, yeah, stuff like that. The, 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 just a few weeks ago, there was a girl thrown out. I was there. I was there. Uh, oh, that yeah, was I at the, yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. at the, uh, the theme show. Theme show. Yeah. Which is which was uh, I was so angry at that girl because I was just and I was angry at the people who brought her. Uh, she mostly. was the worst. Yeah, and there was a group that was on the show that brought her, but. uh I was angry because to me that's like the safest place, like the Schumann. Like, there's no heckler. It's a theater. Yeah. Like, you have to be really fucking dumb to think yeah. it's okay to talk in a theater. You're, you're paying to be there, but at well, least not, well, yeah, show you are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, so at least it seems it's like a. And I know there's bad scenarios for improv, and it's it's extra worse in a bar because you you have to keep the fourth wall up. Yeah. And uh, so you can't just start yelling at them. Well, you can, but then the show's paused. Right. Like, Stand up's more acceptable in a in a bar than than improv is. Yeah. Yeah, which is which is like a, but either but either way, yeah. So like that's why because like if more people, it's it's something too. Like and whenever I meet like standups too, because there's a lot of like open mic standup guys that like are they're good, uh, but they just do open mics around Philly, yeah. and like maybe they'll take a trip up to do an open mic in New York every now and then or whatever, and then you'll hear them talk and they'll talk about like this this uh, this big picture that they have in their head of how everything is and it's just it's crazy to me because it's like you don't even do you know how many comedy shows are just the word with no adjective before just comedy how many shows there are in Philadelphia that like that the stand-up people are unaware of and it's yeah. just like and it's you gotta branch out it makes yeah. you better it makes you better at whatever type of comedy you want to do mm-hmm. by learning because everybody has stuff to teach yeah and there's a there's a a little bit of crossover between some improv improvisers <laughs> and uh, and sketch and stand up yeah. and then there's a little more crossover t- between sketch and improv yeah uh, but there definitely is a lot of people that only do improv yeah. um, I'd say in the last few months 
that number has started to, there's been a lot more, it's starting to be a lot more crossover. Yeah. Uh, I know just as, because I'm education director, who's, sure. who's involved with different classes, sketch classes and everything, and who's showing up at SketchUp and yeah. theme show and things like that. So it's, it's good to see yeah. that, because um, I know just speaking from uh, an asteroid, because I coach asteroid, yeah. uh, after, because we were one of the, the nominees for, for that. Yeah. Uh, and I, I mentioned what you said, and I said to the to the group at the next practice, I was like, he's right, he's he's exactly right. So, what can we do uh, as a team to make that not be the case next year? Yeah. Should we be nominated again? Uh, we need to write some sketches. We need to get involved with that community. We need to branch out, like you said. Um, so now there's a couple asteroid people that are involved with uh that are in sketch classes right now uh they're they become regulars at SketchUp. yeah uh so yeah and then there's also other people uh not just on asteroid uh, but i only can speak for no, for know. my crew which i think which i think is is great because it's like uh like i'll like i'll talk to like chip chantry sometimes about it. he's sorry he's taking an improv class or two or he's taking an improv class and a sketch class i think okay well uh, with fit yeah and uh and he's doing it because he realized the same thing I realized. He's like, you can't, you can, you can hope to be just a stand-up comedian, but like one, that's a, it's not a fun life. It's a horrible life yeah. <laughs> being a road comic because like yeah. they always hear about him being like my ex-wife. Yeah, because you're on the road all the time, so mm -hmm. it's impossible to love you. Like it's <laughs> you, you create this horrible way to be, and then but then like uh, on the on the other side with improv people, whenever you see the famous comedians that come from improv, they also start writing sketches at a point. Like uh, like Colbert, Tina Fey, and mm -hmm. those people, they all yep. they wrote sketches. Yeah, like they were really good at improv, and they're like, "I'm really good at this." I but nobody's it, there's no one's going to pay me to do that on TV. Yeah, I gotta write stuff. Yeah. <laughs> in order to uh, all those guys got on the Second City main stage. Yeah, where they well, that's what they had to do. They had to do those sketches because they. Uh, oh, they, that's part of Second City's. That's program, the Second City's you, program is oh, that you. Uh, that's how they developed their main stage shows. Oh. Is that you develop a sketch show through improv. Uh, which is actually what uh, Kevin McDonald uh, yeah. is coming here to do. That's what he's going to show people how to do. That's the whole point of his workshop. Awesome. Plug. Uh, <laughs> again, it's just me job. listening. Is that sold uh, out already? It is not sold out that I know of, but it's it's actually pretty close. Yeah, I, I, I kind of assumed it would sell out like, like immediately. I, yeah. It's Kids in the Hall. It's yeah, Kevin McDonald. Yeah. Uh, but so that's, that's, that's his method. That's the Kids in the Hall method. Is uh, I'm sure it varies somewhat between Second City and and kids in the hall sure. but that's the basic idea is that you improvise uh, you find the patterns you find the games yeah. you heighten them and then you write it down and yeah. then you whittle it down and just cut and cut and cut cut the fat until you have a sketch yeah I mean like and that's a uh, most of Camp Woods not myself not included just because I don't not, I don't have the money to spend but I've been taking UCB writing classes for the sketch up there mm -hmm. and they're all super game heavy like you have to every sketch has to have a clear and defined game Yeah, which is like uh I don't like putting rules on comedy, but at the same time, it does help you learn and get better at doing that. Yeah. Because it prevents uh, sketches or scenes from being, like, shiftless and aimless. And yeah. Uh, a little structure never hurt nobody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, there's the, the Harold form, yeah. uh, but you can do whatever the hell you want in that form, but it's yeah. there to, to help you improvise. Yeah. Uh, to help bring that, bring back connections and all those things that help. So, yeah. It's like, it's like uh, when someone gives you... Like, in stand-up, I know that it's always easier to write new material. Like, well, if you're on, like, a manic high, that's the easiest to write <laughs> new material. But uh, if you are given a, a goal, an assignment, if you're like, hey, like a, like roast, I think that's why comics like doing roast, because they're like, here's a target, 
here's a goal go at it yeah and then because then because then you don't have to stop yourself and be like is this even something worth talking about it doesn't matter that's your goal you have to mm-hmm. so how do you come up with your your material for stand-up sure uh for stand-up um that's just kind of like whatever i think about and have us if i feel like i have a strong opinion on something then i'll talk about it mm-hmm. uh i like to i used to write more jokes and i try to still write some short jokes because they're really good to have to kick a setback up mm-hmm. but I, the way i like doing stand-up is more like a extemporaneous like you know like a I was never in debate club but I was told about this the uh, <laughs> the, the category of uh, you were in robotics club you couldn't yeah it was the same day yeah yeah exactly <laughs> couldn't, couldn't do it I, yeah um, extemporaneous I think is the uh, one category in debate okay. where you have to you're given a, a an argument once you're given one side an argument and you have like 10 minutes to prepare and then you just have to just go and make wow. it up okay and um, that always seemed the most interesting to me I don't know, it's something that, like, uh, I like doing that, I like going up and trying to make points. Yeah. Like, my favorite bits by stand-ups are, like, like, Louis C.K.'s, I think, my favorite stand-up comic right now. He's great. Yeah, him or Bill Burr. Bill, I love Bill Burr. Yeah, yeah, Bill Burr is, like, something. We're going to talk about him in a minute. Oh, yeah, with his little, his yeah, 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 but, um, he's more, uh, he's more, he makes himself more mainstream, like, he'll talk about softer, easier, accessible topics. Yeah. But he still does a really good job of them. Yep. But Louis C.K. is so good that he can challenge whatever. Like, he went on The Daily Show, and I guess you've probably seen this, uh, and he was like, uh, and he's supposed to talk about Louis, the TV show, and John Stewart's like, is there anything else you want to say? He's like, mm, the Pope fucks kids. And he was like, <laughs> <laughs> and John Stewart's like, you can't, you can't just say that, man. Like, you have to, he's like, he's like oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, he's like, okay, so, you know how with pedophiles there are people who are really against it, and then people who, who uh, do it? And he's like, there's no, oh, I don't, I'm not into raping kids, but I, I see how people would like that. <laughs> he's like, that person doesn't exist. He's like, so you either are against pedophiles or you fuck kids. <laughs> and so he's like, with that, he's like, along that line is the Pope fuck kids. Yeah. And he just like, throws it out like that. And like, John starts cracking up. Yeah. And like, I love that, like taking, because like, does this not sound like That was just a couple months ago, right? Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. just recently. Yeah, it's not, it's not, um... It's not sound logic, but it's valid. Right. Because you, you ever take one of those critical thinking classes, and you know, like, um, well, in uh, there's valid and sound. So something has to be valid before it can be sound. So if it's like a, if A, then B. Right. And so A shows up, then B. Uh, that, that makes something valid. Uh, sound is you have to actually then step outside of it and like, oh, does that actually make sense? Yeah. It's like, so that's valid, but does it make sense? Yeah. And a lot of, I think, great stand-up bits are valid points that are not sound. And that's why they're so funny, because it's just like that. I could see, like, like any like, uh, like, like, uh, old like a uh, bit about like, like some bad bits uh, about like uh, if if Dracula comes up, I'm gonna trip you and run away. I, I ain't saving you. I ain't the man that saves you from Dracula, woman. I'm gonna trip you and knock you down. Like I remember as a kid, being like that's hilarious because you're supposed to save the lady from Dracula, <laughs> but he's come up with a reason why not to. And uh, it's not sound logic, it's shitty logic, but it's valid. He makes a valid point inside of a not sound point. And so it's like, uh, like that type of humor is great to me. And when and that's how I try to like, do my stand-up, talk about, like, my, like if I feel like I'm doing really well, it's because I'm hitting something like that where it's funny. And I'm, because you can poke holes in like shitty logic too yeah. like, by, by doing that stand-up. And like that's what I like to do. Like it just, uh, I, I, there's, it's still part of me that likes to try to tackle dirty or taboo topics, but in a uh, in an actually funny way, like not in a like uh, isn't this right? Yeah, welcome. Yeah, like like that, <laughs> like that sort of attitude of like 
yeah, the horrible thing. Embrace the horrible thing. No, don't embrace the horrible thing. Like you, you can make like I like to make humor about like you can say like no, I see that, and he's like, and yeah, but <laughs> here's why that's crazy and yeah. bad. Like like uh, I don't know. Like recently I started working on a bit where because I, I hate uh, when stand up comics pander and say that both sides of polit- of the political spectrum are bad. They're yeah. all crooks. Yeah. Okay, so you don't vote. And it's like, well, yeah, I vote. Oh, so you're voting for someone that you know is bad? That seems, like, really irresponsible on your part. So yeah. it's just, I don't know. But, yeah, so that's how I rest up. I just I th- I try to make it more analytical of what I see all the time. So it can be very ridiculous things or it can be something serious. Mm-hmm. Do you ever turn anything, any of your stand-up bits or bits, uh, uh, do you call them bits, first of all? Yeah, I guess so. Okay, yeah. call them bits. Yeah. Um, any of your stand-up bits into sketches? Has uh, that happened yet? I think I've turned one or two into sketches, but for the most part, I try to write sketches differently. Like I try to write them like little plays, like yeah. I, I like vignettes. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's how I like to look at sketches. Um, so there'll be game in my sketches, right. uh, but but only because the term game is so vague. Like, yeah, you can call anything. Game. Yep, you can just like kind of write a sketch that you think is funny and be like, oh, and the game is this thing. And yeah, it's just, like, but. Uh, but, you know, I try to write more like vignettes, especially because, like, in my group, in Camp Woods, a lot of people are very game-oriented right now just because, like, we're trying to, we want to get more into the UCB in New York and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. so that's what they want, so you have to do that to get in with those people, and that's fine. Right. Um, but so I don't want us to lose our, like, voices as yeah. a group, so I try to write stuff that's not necessarily game-based sketches. Because, like, you'll watch, like, videos that UCB puts out, and they'll be like, that's why some people I've met are very nice, but they'll be like, uh, <laughs> it'll just like it'll be like a, like Cormac MacArthur the game is a video that they put out recently and it's like every Saturday Live like board game video parody from like okay. the early 90s where it's just like they take a, a game a board game and it's like Cormac MacArthur the game and so it's like you have to be cold for three days or like what like you know just like what would it be like to, if Cormac MacArthur came up with a board game and like and that's the idea and that's the yeah. game and that's it and the sketch is like three to, it's like four or five minutes and to me it's like that's one joke yeah I don't understand why it's five minutes long yeah. but that seems to be how people write sketches a lot of the time yeah that's that's a problem with a lot of the sketches that I see whether it's uh, Philly or Chicago or yeah. SNL for that matter yeah. is that they go on so long they don't need to no they just need but they feel like they have to fill time yeah I don't like, I guess any of the joke ideas I've had from stand up that I've made in the sketches have always been really short because it's always just like this would be a funny idea for this yeah. and uh there's like um, there's sketches that I, that I talk about in my stand up that I just don't feel like we have the the money or resources to shoot correctly <laughs> <Yeah>. yet. <laughs> so like, I don't know. For the most part, I just try to keep them separate. And okay. Uh, you're still doing hate speech. Yeah. Right. You you've had a show recently, or you're gonna have one soon. I think we're doing F Harold. F Harold. Okay. Yeah. Like everybody. Um, Cause like like Rob's not able, he doesn't have time to do it anymore. Just cause like we spent so much time doing Camp Woods. Like yeah. uh, it, since when we started doing Hate Speech, um, Camp Woods has just like ramped up and like we've all gotten better as a group and we just yeah. work we 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 work at least two nights a week on it. They gotta do an all new monthly show every month now. Yeah, yeah, which we put on ourselves on purpose to like force us to get do that. to do stuff. Yeah, yeah, cause like uh, I've seen plenty of like really funny sketches from groups and then those guys get older and then they just they're just not a sketch group anymore and that's that yeah. and we don't want that to happen so try to force ourselves to especially because like we've gone to New York a couple times and 
watch like sketch shows and like we've seen like Pangea 3000 and they're like they're like, most of the groups and they're amazing yeah uh, but like and so they all like there's like one of the guys writes for Fallon one of the guys writes for um, somebody else Daily Show maybe mm-hmm. or Colbert Report and like so they, there is there is payoff if you can be a really good sketch group and get noticed and stuff like that but then like you see these other sketch groups that are getting noticed and they're just not good like they're just not doing a good job yeah. <laughs> like so it makes us like kick ourselves like we have to work harder because we know we can, or we think we can be better than them, and we want to work hard so we get the chance to prove it. Yeah. Uh, who is it? I think it's on Kevin. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I think it's the Kevin Pollock chat show. Uh, he always talks about the ten thousand hours. Uh, that's when you get good at something. Oh, okay. When you put ten thousand hours into it, that's when you become a master of whatever that craft is. Uh, ten thousand hours seems like a lot. Yeah. Um, Okay, so hate speech. Uh, we mentioned Bill Burr yeah. a little while ago. You heard? Did you hear his rant? Yeah, yeah, I listened to it. And uh, for anyone that hasn't listened to it, go to YouTube, type in uh, I guess Bill Burr alternative comedy. It should pop nerds. up. And the word nerds. And nerds, yes. Yeah, because that's that's in his rant. Yeah. I'm tired of these nerds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you agree with anything that he's that he said? Um, I agree with a little bit of it. I mean, partially like. Bill Burr, I, I like when he, because he he's one of those people who like uh like his in his most recent special he does the rant on Oprah and how she doesn't know what it's like and how like being a mother is not the hardest job in the world, but they but then he he's like he's like oh you had to wear sweatpants and bend over and put the DVD in of the kids show again for the seventh time oh god he's like he's like he's like, I thought being a redhead having a roof in the summer was the hardest job in the world but I guess it, but then he but it, so he's making this but then he ends and he goes eh, but I don't have any kids so maybe I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> so, so, yeah, which is just kind of like yeah. eh, maybe I'm just goofing around being funny. Yeah, and like there was a little bit of that in the in this rant, but then also uh, listening to like the WTF podcast a lot, you hear like uh, a lot of road comics. That's their like older guys, like that's their complaint. And Marin's even starting to voice it now sometimes with certain guys. Like with uh, when he was interviewing Jake Johansson, he's like, "This guy doesn't get any respect, and he puts out a new hour like every two years, and he deserves yeah. it." But all the uh, the guys in like basically like the UCB and places like that, the stand-ups that do their shows, mm-hmm. don't see him as cool or upcoming or relevant, and so they've decided he's like a hack and they don't like him. He he didn't mention anybody in particular. Do you know who he would have been talking about? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've heard Jim Norton talk about the same type of stuff with Bill Burr, and Norton names like uh, he's like he he hates his East Zari. Uh, maybe, I mean, this was like a year or two ago when Norton said this, maybe he doesn't hate him anymore, but like he said he hates his Isanzari, the twins, the Scar, the Sklar brothers, okay. uh, he named, what's the name? He named, I forget who else he named, but it was like, it was like guys like that, because he met them all at Bonnaroo, and he said he went to like say hi, and they were all like being dicks to him, they are like, oh, hello, mm-hmm. like being, oh, he said Brian Pussain, he said he hates Brian Pussain, yeah, okay. and, um, but I, I think the, uh, the real thing is like the, um, the awkwardness and what Bill Burr said I thought was hilarious that that was the one point that I thought was a really good point was the uh, he's like you're 36 years old you're not awkward act like a goddamn adult <laughs> yeah. stop acting like a 14 year old girl on her first day <laughs> he's, like, he's like you know how to talk to people you're just putting it on yeah and especially like the because uh, uh, Fred Stoll Stoller Stoller Fred yeah. Stoller uh, his WTF podcast just recently like a month or two ago yeah, I guess he was going off good uh, the Nerdist podcast because mm-hmm. uh, uh, Chris Hardwick I guess not Chris Hardwick but whoever he's like Jonah producer. I think who Jonah oh Jonah Ray yeah I think so he's talking about yeah uh, with like didn't like that he lived in an apartment and thought he was more successful and then wouldn't let him on the show because he wasn't as successful as he thought he was <laughs> which is just so shitty yeah but he's just talking about like unwarranted rejection but uh, 
he was saying he doesn't like this uh, idea that being a nerd is cool now. Yeah. And uh, yeah. because he's like, he's like, it is, he's like, you like cool stuff. He's like, he's like dragons and <laughs> zombies. And he's like, that's cool stuff. And he's like, he's like, where's the real nerd? He's like, where's me when I was in high school alone with no hope of succeeding ever, just being sad and by myself. He's yeah. like, where's where's that nerd? Is not cool. He's like, it's just cool people who are dressing nerdy now. Yeah. And I kind of feel that way because like, I agree with that because I think that like nerd has changed from what it used to mean, which was like really smart like sciences and computers and socially awkward to a fanboy like yeah. it's, it's just like people who are just obsessed with things mm -hmm. and they're just, but they're like no I'm a nerd about it yeah it's like you're just kind of a dick about yeah, it it's like, different I, I uh, am a nerd okay like high school nerd uh, high school was the worst okay uh, so yeah I mean I like a lot of that stuff but I don't think I'm a nerd because or was a nerd because of the fact that I liked computers or, or shit like that. Yeah. I think I'm a nerd for the reasons Bill Burr uh, wants to get back to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? for, the, for the being good at things. Yeah. And being helpful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And picked on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah unfortunately picked on, yeah. But that, yeah, yeah, that was like the like the people that when I was in high school and I was in the robotics club, I was like, they were nerds. They're actual nerds. And I can tell you, I'm, a, I'm certain of this, they're still not cool. <laughs> like they're, they're not out there. Just, they're not slaying yeah. pussy every night. Like yeah. They're still awkward and weird and joking about fake religions where they uh, that they that they make up. Like, yeah. but they're but they're probably making lots of money yeah. at a job where they're doing amazing things with computers and technology and stuff like that. And it's just like, I don't know. Yeah, like the I think uh, the hipster culture of like pretending to be like like coming up with music genres. Like I've I've tried to listen to uh, dubstep and chill wave and post dubstep. And see if I could tell the difference. I don't even know what any of that means. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're made up. They're, they don't, they're all just house music. I've heard of it. Yeah. I, when I, <laughs> when I haven't seen any or hear, heard anything. It's just house music. It's just it's just it's, oh, like, okay. it's like more positive, amped up house music. It's more positive. Yeah, it's just like more like boom, 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 boom. Whereas house music was more chill because it was for yeah. like a house, like coffee. Where you sit and you're just listening to it. Like because when I worked at that when I worked at that uh, independent studio on Fourth and Brown, they had all these house music uh, house musicians. House music artists? I don't know how they call themselves. I like either. But uh, when we listen to house music, we'd always be playing. It's just chill background music. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, like, dum, 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 like, just like stuff like that. And this is just more amped up. Yeah. It's dancey. And, but they have to call it something different and be like, no, this is totally different. And it's like, well, it's not. It's not. You're just trying to make it seem more important than it yeah. is. And I think that is the nerds he's talking about when he says okay. nerds. The people that have decided like to claim they're nerds when like, but in high school, they were probably just like a run-of-the-mill person and like just very down the middle of the road. And that's Stoller. Fred Stoller, yeah, Fred Stoller yeah. talks about that. Did you that. hear him on the Nerdist podcast after that? No. Yeah, he went on. Oh, uh, and what was yeah, he talking yeah, about? Yeah, talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got now I want to listen yeah. to that. Yeah, so yeah, go on and check that out, too. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I, I hit them all. Because uh, I work in the morning. I have about four, sometimes five hours okay. where I'm just running, walking around the store. The store is closed and I'm just listening to the podcast as I'm doing all my work. So I listen, you're a manager, right? I listen to hours. Uh, ish. Okay. Manager-ish. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> at what? Uh, Best Buy? At uh, four, I work at Best Buy's for okay. a company called Anderson Merchandisers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, it's pretty awesome. Nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, anything you want to say because we got to wrap up soon. Sure. Uh, about Philly comedy in general. Any, any thoughts that have been You've been looking to get out, or that we didn't that we didn't cover uh, anything about the scene or yeah. community right now. I think it's a uh, I think it's really strong. I think uh, I I think I don't know. Like I feel like um, 
as good and strong as it's getting, it seems like I still need to go to New York or LA eventually. Yeah. Which I don't want to do because I like it here. I don't really like. I've been to like New York's fine. I like New York, but like LA, I, I went there last April. It just kind of sucked. It was just like, just flat. Yeah. It didn't feel like a city. It just felt like this 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 area that this sprawling area of just boring nothing and like. I went and saw a show at the uh, at the I O West. Okay. And uh, I saw two improv groups, and they were both they're both very good. Yeah. Very polished, but it was like the scenes people were doing, they were good. The one group was the one group was weaker, but the the better group uh, was very polished, and you could tell like they were all like like uh, like attractive people. You could tell like oh they they want to be actors or whatever and stuff yeah. and like, but only one of them was there was one woman and she was being like really really funny like like cleverly funny mm-hmm. and other people were just doing like formula like formulaic right. stuff and but the crowds were laughing and stuff and I was just kind of like yeah and that's kind of what I expected and like I talked to my friends who were out there and like that's how they describe it and they're like if you show up and really have talent people will notice it like uh, is what I've been told which is also probably just might not be true at all <laughs> but so maybe, uh, maybe New York yeah New York like, I mean like right now Camp Woods is trying to get as many shows you know like in New York as possible I'm, I think we're talking about other stuff too I travel more you know yeah. and so I want to see you know throw out a bunch of hooks and see if anything yeah. bites at all you guys have done Chicago once or twice now right yeah yeah Camp Woods before me Robert Billy was in it did um, Chicago Snubfest yeah and uh, now that now with the seven of us in it we just did Sketchfest and that's at the Chemically Imbalanced is that theater? yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. Studio Seven Seven Three was the, the name of the theater. Okay. Oh, it's Snub, I don't know where Snubfest is. Oh, it's 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 like the fe- any other festival. It has a couple of different oh, spots. Okay. Yeah, cool. There, the, yeah, Sketchfest was all in one building. And it was pretty sweet. There, there was like the Chicago building or the Chicago Theater building, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I used to live two blocks away from that. Nice. Yeah, they just they just remodeled it apparently, and mm-hmm. now it's called like Stage Seven Seven Three or something. Okay. And uh, so it's pretty cool. We got to be on the main stage. Um, we didn't fill, we did not fill the audience, <laughs> they, uh, yeah. we showed up, and the guy running, it was very nice, and he was like, uh, oh, Camp Woods, yeah, and it was like, we checked in a little bit later in the day, he's like, because we showed up the day before, just to watch some shows and stuff, so he gave us our badges, and he's like, there's some hype going around about you guys, we got you in some newspapers, you see that alright? And we're like, yeah, that was awesome, man, thanks, he's like, yeah, we're excited to see it, and we're like, okay, like, a little bit nervous, like, well, what if you don't like us, <laughs> but, and so, uh, First night we had a bad show. Mm. <laughs> it, it didn't go like it got enough laughs or whatever. But that was the night the timeout Chicago was there and that uh, the Chicago Tribune was there. Nice. <laughs> the lady used us as the tent pole in the Chicago Tribune review as what not to do. Because uh, <laughs> uh, in our tech script, I guess we forgot to make one note because there was one sketch where there was no tech cue, so it was just lights on, and I guess that got forgotten in the tech script. So mm. the guy just started playing the next video with us on stage, oh, and so geez. like looked unprofessional and I guess this lady was friends with the tech guy so she wrote she's like do not do this to your tech guy and try to make him look bad she's like I know this tech guy he's a great tech guy they <laughs> fucked up like, like trash nuts hey, like she kept coming back to us as like a thing she hated but uh, she she liked the one video that we were sick to her and she said it was crass but effective so that's what that's our uh, in our press release now is uh, crass, crass but effective Chicago Tribune <laughs> nice but then the second night we had a really good show. We fixed all the little problems there. They went really well. Nice. And a guy from the Indianapolis uh, Business Journal uh, reviewed us and loved oh, us. Oh, the IBJ. Yeah, yeah, you know. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Well renowned for their comedy yeah. reviews. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, you gotta yeah. love the IBJ. 
Yeah, yeah. So we got a good review on that. So and so it went much better, but it was cool. We made some connections with some New York groups. We had to go to Chicago to meet New Just York. Just to meet people. New York people. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was okay. a much different scene in Chicago. It was like uh, there was a there was a decent amount of groups where none of the performers were writers. Yeah. Were, yeah. They like they cast it their sketch group and then yep. the people wrote for it, and that was and that's like uh, makes sense. I mean, it's what Saturday Live and stuff does, mm-hmm. but the groups that I like the most were like. Now or like kids in the hall and like by them people that wrote and performed everything. So yeah, okay. Uh, gotta wrap up real soon because we're gonna have to go. Yeah. Uh, but what about sports? Just unrelated to all the comedy stuff. You are a Phillies fan, right? Yeah, I love Phillies. Are you looking forward to this year? Yeah. Any any thoughts? Um, Because things are looking a little yeah at the moment. Yeah. I'm okay. I'm 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 still on board. Well, how long is Martinez out for? <laughs> That's the one you go to. Well, because well, you got Howard out, you got Utley out. Because well, you are... go to Michael Martinez. Well, because those are definite, so you're gonna need him though. And he, yeah. I, th- I think he showed promise last year. Oh, he did. Yeah, but because you know, it, sounds, it sounds like Utley, just gets, like, the news is worse and worse every time you hear about him. It's yeah. just like, oh man. Yeah. They signed Jimmy Rollins for another decade or however long they signed <laughs> him for. I don't know. Another, another three years. Yeah, with player, an option of a fourth. Yeah, player turned into a coach contract. He's going to for three more years, and the fourth year he may be the first base coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. If, you, if, you're, if you're not feeling up to it anymore, we'll just have you coach. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm going to the game on April 12th, I think, the Wednesday. No, the 11th. The, the 11th. first homestand, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's the I second game. The third, okay, second, yeah. third game of the homestand. Yeah, because there's a Monday night game, then they're off, then Wednesday night game. Yeah. So I'm going to that one. I got a free t-shirt. Pretty excited. Yeah. That was uh, my parents got me uh, for Christmas uh, present. Was they gave me was uh, they, they said we'll buy you two tickets to whatever Phillies game you want. Just give us like heads up. Nice. And so I picked that game, and so I'm excited. Should cool. Be awesome. yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, and the last question I have: uh, the Mega Millions jackpot <laughs> is up to at minimum right now five hundred and forty million dollars. Five million. And I've been playing a lottery a long time. Okay. I've had my eye on the lottery and different, you know, different jackpots here and there, and I'd go on record. Uh, even this will uh, be this will air okay. probably after after I win, um, <laughs> and saying it'll probably be closer to six hundred million dollars. Yeah, a hundred million dollars over half a billion dollars. So my question is, if you play, and if you if you did play, what would you? What What are some things you would do? Oh, that kind of money. money. Yeah. Well, obviously, like, because they, they say don't quit your job because then, like, your life falls apart. But that's when, you, but, uh. Oh, my life wouldn't fall apart. Oh, yeah. My I mean, life would fall together. Exactly. Yeah. I would, I would, <laughs> it falls out to place. Because I think when people who win and quit their job and then their life falls apart, it's because their job is the only thing they were doing. Yeah. And so, comedy. It defines them, sure. Yeah, exactly. So, I would I'd quit my job, which would be great. So, I wouldn't be tired all the time. Mm-hmm. And I would just focus on comedy all the time and, uh, probably, probably move. Uh, to a city like LA, mm-hmm. trying to start doing that stuff. Yeah. Or New York. I like East Coast cities better. Uh, or Chicago too. I know it's not East Coast city, but like <laughs> old style, old, old style <laughs> cities, you know. So I'd move either New York or LA, and uh, uh, I'd still live like really poorly, just so that I would have all that extra money. I I think I would buy a venue. I think I always thought that would be cool if I was rich. I would buy a. Like a rock type venue, like a like how the Kyber used to be, mm-hmm. but laid out better, a little yep. bit better, and uh, just have a bar and live above it and put on shows. Yeah, and probably buy a house somewhere else so that way I can sleep quietly sometimes. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. yeah I was talking. We were talking about it with Asteroid last night, uh, and I said that I would buy, of course, uh, a space for Fit. Yeah. And then I would buy the I.O. in Chicago, the Annoyance Theater in Chicago, the UCB, the Pit, uh, and the Magnet. And I would just buy them and give them to those people with the rule that any money they would have spent on rent, they had to use to pay the people performing oh, nice. in those spaces. Because I know I.O. was in the, at least right around Wrigley, that, was, that would be about... Twenty to thirty thousand dollars a month in rent that could then go to yeah the hundreds of performers that they have and, he, and maybe it wouldn't be that much but it would be something yeah you know uh, so that that's one thing I would do and of course all the take care of family and sure, yeah. you know I'll buy a house and shit like that um, but you did mention one other thing that I wanted to say that I thought was pretty pretty good point um, and that is that the people whose life falls apart. Are the people whose job uh, define them? Yeah, uh, and I think I think that's I think that's probably pretty accurate. Um, I remember watching when I would c- come home when I was living in the far far northeast uh, or pretty much anywhere when I was living with around people who weren't involved with anything but their job or yeah. but class. Uh, when you would have the English majors or whatever, and that's that's what they did. They they were in English. They had nothing to do after, yeah. so they could just do whatever. Uh, I. Envied, the, envied them a little bit, um, but then I thought, like, how can that be all they do? You know, because I'll, I'll work at Best Buy for eight hours, and then I'll come home, and then I'll teach, and then I'll go do a show or yeah. whatever, and then they'll just sit at home and watch television. Yeah. Ah. Which is, I don't, uh, that was the thing, too. Like, I remember that when I was at uh, Travel.com, because, like, we're going to hardware store now, so nobody there thinks that's their career. Right, it doesn't it doesn't pay yeah. nearly enough money. But at, at Traffic dot com, you're just doing data entry. There was no real room for advancement, and but you were making like I was making like seventeen bucks an hour. So yeah. that and they they had no problem giving you overtime and stuff if you were willing to work it. So there was a uh, there was people who called it their career and like they would come in, and I noticed I noticed about those people that the things about work that are like annoying or like oh you had a bad day at work or whatever. Then you you go home and you focus on the thing you actually care about. They didn't have a thing they actually cared about. So all the little things at work would get to them way worse than everybody else, and it would be a big, important deal to them. Like, there would be people who would be like, well, how come I can't go to lunch for longer than this? And I was like, who cares? Like, (laughs) why is that important to you, man? (laughs) And, like, it would just... It seems like if you don't have something you really care about, then all the little stuff can drive you insane. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, and even at my job now, at a hardware store, like, people would be like, this person shows... Like, my coworkers will complain, and they'll be like, this guy is walking around saying, I'm not doing my job tags on this thing aren't up on this thing. like why do you care like, how could you possibly give a shit yeah. that the tags are who cares like my one boss came to me he's like hey, I don't want to like upset you and I was like okay he's like but above on the shelf there we have to always have stuff up there and you took down all those uh, drill presses and to sell to that guy I was like yeah and he was like well now there's a big hole up there it looks bad so I mean I don't want to make you feel bad like about not doing your job well but like there's a big hole now up top and I was like so I'll go put stuff in it and he was like, "Yeah." He's like, "But you okay with that?" I was like, "Dude, why? <laughs> yeah. Whoa, oh my god! Like that's that's no. that's kill yourself no, no, yeah. Okay. yeah. If you're just like the drill presses, they're not full. The drill press, like like <laughs> I just took stuff down. Now I gotta put stuff back. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> it's like that's your job. I yeah. pick I pick stuff up. I put it down. I pick stuff up and I put it, like if you if you let that be the focus of your life, you, I mean, there's got to be something more. I think uh, 
I, th- I think I'd like to end it pretentiously. <laughs> I would prefer <laughs> that you did. And I think that uh, Nietzsche said that art is the human soul trying to escape from the mud of life. Uh, and uh, even though he's crazy, <laughs> I think there is a little bit of truth in that because you have to have something you really care about. Otherwise, you'll just be obsessed with things that don't matter because you, everybody needs to feel like something's important. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, we will end on that. <laughs> uh yeah, Brendan, thank you very much. Oh, thanks for uh, having me. Yeah, it, we, we talked for an hour and 50 minutes. Oh, shit. Uh, almost two hours. Just two guys chatting, you know? No, no, yeah. big, no big whoop. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, we gotta go. Nice. Well, that ends another exciting episode of Getting Close with Mike Marbach. I really hope that you enjoyed my interview, my sit-down, my conversation with Brendan Kennedy, don't know why I'm talking like this, starting to sound like a terrible impression of Dennis Miller, cha-cha. Uh, <laughs> it was like Roosevelt and Churchill at Yalta, babe, cha-cha. <laughs> that is, yeah, that is the worst impression I've ever done. Uh, that's not true. I've done much worse. Uh, Brendan, you can see Brendan do things around town. You can see him do stand-up. Unfortunately, I don't know when. You can see him do improv with Hate Speech Committee in the upcoming F. Harold Festival. Uh, Check your local listings for their performance time. You can see him sketch. uh, Well, not sketch. I don't know if he sketches. He might sketch. He might draw. I don't know. I don't know. Don't don't go up to him and ask him to sketch something is what I'm saying. you may be disappointed. I, I well, maybe you won't. I don't know how good of a sketcher he is. How, how good of a drawer, drawer. That's a hard word to say. Drawer. Is it even a word? Uh, what is? Why do I record these things? I'm an idiot. All right. Oh, and guilty pleasures. You can see him host, co-host guilty pleasures Wednesday nights during fit runs. So check your local listings for that. Cha cha. Um. That's all I got about uh, to plug for, for Brendan, I think. Uh, real good guy. Real fun. Real cool. Uh, what am I, in high school? Uh, <laughs> maybe he'll talk to me when I see him in the halls. Uh, I don't know who I'm going to get close to next time around. I got a few invites out. We'll see who bites. We'll see who bites. See if the fish are biting. Bang. And then I'll uh, post it on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter, at Mike Marbeck. Yeah. Thanks for listening, and uh, thanks for getting close.